Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was ain't open them up. Could it be something that's open them up? If it's ain't something, we're dumping it out. And then it's something that's dumping it out. And then it's dying. It's part of it's dumping it out. And now from an undisclosed location, you are now tuned in to the Xander Effect with host Xander Dane.
was ACDC's Highway to Hell, and welcome to the Xander Effect. I'm your host, Xander Dames, and I guess that song is aptly titled, especially for 2020. Um, you know, I, I'd like to welcome everybody to, to the wonderful show today. I have my, with me my awesome co-host, Mr. Jeremy Miller. Jeremy, how are you doing? Doing great. It's Friday. How could I not be? Right. You know, I mean, Friday in quarantine. Yay. <laughs> and of course, we have our other wonderful co-hostess, Miss Lonnie Rivera. Lonnie, how you doing? Doing great. Happy Friday. Yay! And we got a great show for you guys today. Uh, we also have a, a special uh, guest coming in today. Uh, she's She's been on the show a couple of times before, but I always love having her here. Miss Amanda Holly uh, has a brand new single that she's going to talk about. So uh, we're definitely looking forward to having her uh, stop by today. But, uh, you know, start off, I, dude, I, I got to talk about uh, something that I saw online actually today. And it has to do with... With a, a TikTok star, Charlie D'Amelo, D'Amelio, uh, that apparently got canceled by her own culture. <laughs> um, this uh, young uh, TikToker apparently uh, was having dinner with a YouTube star, James Charles, and started complaining that he had that she only had 95 million followers and not a hundred. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. After she started complaining about that, apparently her followers stopped following her, and she went down. She lost about uh, she lost about a million followers after that. Uh, that's a pretty big, uh, pretty big hit. And so she basically went on uh, on a on a TikTok, I guess live or whatever, and was crying and wah, wah, your words hurt and blah blah blah. Here's a thought: get a real freaking job, kid. I mean, come on. You you know, you're 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 pretty much just like it, she's she was acting like a spoiled brat talking about that. She was then complaining about uh, the food that she was eating at a very like high end restaurant. I mean, she was acting like a complete spoiled brat. And this just gets on my nerves. I just don't understand how this generation is so incredibly, undeniably, you know, just. Uh, un, un, you know, I just don't understand how they are so spoiled. I mean, you know, we come from a different era. The three of us, we come from a different generation, a generation where we had to bust our ass to actually make things happen for ourselves, which we, and we still are doing so because of that. And the, the, the funny thing is that I've actually seen this many times from this new generation and somebody, uh, there was another uh, TikTok that, that uh, illustrated what I'm talking about right now about the, how generations are different. And somebody commented, uh, the, uh, gener uh, this uh, a younger, a younger person commented and said, well, you know what? I mean, yeah, my generation's like that, but you have only your generation to blame because your, your generation raised us. And I'm <laughs> like, you know what? That's actually a valid point. And so, I mean, am I wrong in, in thinking this? I mean, is it our fault? I mean, or is it their own fault because they just grew up to be this way? I don't know. Am I wrong? I'll jump <laughs> in. I mean, I got kids, so, you know, my two boys, um, all three of my boys, actually, you know, we we limited their screen time. We, we did not make although they were the center of our world we did not make them the center of the world and you know they didn't turn out to 
think that the world revolved around them. So do I think there's a, a parental aspect? Absolutely. But at the same time, um, but you, get, you really got to look at it from this perspective as well. A lot of these kids started, I mean, they've known nothing else but this YouTube generation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's literally all they've known. They've known nothing but the internet. They've known nothing but this YouTube thing where this is a path to stardom, which is still ridiculous considering how few people on YouTube actually have any talent. Um, you know, there's some great creative people out there making great content, but we also have people who are making millions of dollars by doing nothing but being self-absorbed ignorant idiots so yeah it's it's not the parents that are are sitting here making them you know praising them for being morons praising them for you know being dumb for whatever you want i mean just i mean they celebrate their lack of knowledge they celebrate their it's just we're not the ones propping them up True. You know, we're not the ones subscribing and and you know being sycophantic fans with them and so yes there's definitely a parental aspect but you know it's all these kids have known if they've been making money at it they think it's the end all be all of the world you know they think that it they've made something of themselves well you're making money but in the long run 20 years from now nobody's going to be sitting here going oh thank god we had that that girl who did you know idiotic tutorials where she made fun of other people and you know i mean it's no one's going to be saying that in 20 years they're not i'm sorry no one's going to be looking back at any of that type of content and going oh thank god we had that they're gonna be looking back going dear god people were entertained by this yeah like they're gonna be like what was i (laughs) you know actually watching this (laughs) that's so true that's so it's almost like it's almost like uh being compared to the clothes that we used to wear back in the 80s and we look back at pictures (laughs) like what the hell were we thinking <laughs> it pretty much equates to that, I would imagine. I right. mean, you know, it's just it's 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 nuts to be honest, Lonnie. I mean, what are your thoughts? No, on no. I always say when I first started, because um, I majored in broadcast journalism, and you know, really studied journalism and got a degree in it, and worked for many years as a news reporter, and. I remember my very first job in Georgia. And at that time, Instagram was not around. Uh, You know, Facebook wasn't a thing. Twitter wasn't a thing. But I had a huge following in this town. And I always think about it, you know, I was very popular. Not, and I would like to think not because of just the visual thing. I was actually a good reporter. I did Mm -hmm. some really good stories. And I remember, I mean, I didn't stay there long because the town was kind of backwards, but they promoted me to like weekend anchor. And so I did that for a while. And I always say like back in the day, if Facebook and Instagram was around, I probably would have had a big following because Mm -hmm. I had a big following in the community already. What I'm proud of is that it wasn't around and the following that I had was just from my work and the few times when people saw me on air. When you think about it, it really wasn't long compared to like somebody on air, you know, on a show constantly every week. So having said that, I feel like it forced me to work harder and really try to um, sell myself um, as a journalist. Brand yourself. Pardon me? 
brand yourself. Yeah, it really made me work harder. You know what I mean? Like staying in touch with news directors, moving, which I moved several times, and networking with people from my college. And I'm still working on it. I mean, let's face it, like right now I'm I'm out of work. I'm looking for work. I'm looking for hosting work. I mean, other than, you know, the few acting jobs that I've done, I'm looking for work right now. And so it's forced me to to really manage myself and make the right decisions and work harder. And I think sometimes Instagram and TikTok and they they're great as an asset to help like be another addition to somebody who has talent and has something they're working on. But for it to be the only thing you have, I think is one of the reasons why this newer generation is, and for lack of a better word, shallow in many ways. Mm -hmm. Very true. Because everything is just so surface. How many likes did did I get? Mm -hmm. What, you know, what did I have enough cleavage showing? Did I show enough leg? Was I cute enough? Was I funny enough? Did I do something bizarre? Bizarre enough to get people talking and you know whereas I feel like back then you really had to work on your talent and you really had to network and be and be attractive too so I feel like there's just too much an emphasis on the shallow part of the entertainment business because of um, these social media I mean, I mean, and I and I have to agree with you on that. I mean, it, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems that uh, pretty much it boils down to that you had a sense of accomplishment whenever mm-hmm. you do the you do these types of things. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, take for example, uh, you know, I, I also got my uh, my degree in journalism as well, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, creating the Xander effect has given me a sense of accomplishment because. Mm-hmm. I've done this. I work really hard at putting the show together, uh, making sure that I that I have you know something that's informative, something that will actually people are going to want to say, "Hey, I didn't know about that." And I got that. I've gotten that a lot of times too. Uh, I was, I was just going to ask, when is that going to start? <laughs> Funny, um, you know. <laughs> and so, I mean, other other than the adding this guy, um, you know, I mean, seriously, it's it's one of those things. I actually just got a. Uh, text today from uh, one of my friends saying how proud she is of the things that I've been doing. Oh, that's uh, great. And I've gotten and I've gotten other people saying, mm-hmm. you know, like they've been told told me in the past, like I didn't know about this, I didn't know about that. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of news out there. That's why I have, uh, you know, I, at the end of the very show, I say that's the news in case you haven't heard it, because many people don't hear certain things of the news. And right. when you hear it, they're like, oh, I didn't know about that. Oh, I didn't know that this movie's coming out. I didn't know about this. So, th- I mean, it's a sense of accomplishment that I've informed the masses. And that's part right. of journalism, informing the masses. What these kids are doing, they're not informing. They're just playing. And right. life isn't a game. Life is real. I mean, right. I, it's it's one of those things where I learned, I mean, you know, when we're growing up, we all have those moments of we think we know it all. Like we have the know-it-all, you know, uh, part of our lives. And when we get older, we figured, you know what? There's still more that we have to learn. We don't know it all. I mean, hell, there's people that are that are like 80 years old that are still learning. They're still like, yeah, there's still stuff that I didn't, you know, that I haven't learned yet. And that's that's the thing about life is that it's a constant 
it's a constant school. You know, it's constant. We're constantly learning. We're constantly evolving. And right. these kids, they don't understand that yet, but they will. Mm -hmm. Eventually they will. They will get to that age where they'll probably look back and look at the stupid things that they did. Like, what was I thinking? <laughs> you know, I mean, they'll probably be with that generation where it's not so much the clothes that they wear, but it's the actions that they did that are going to make them say those words. What was I thinking, you know, about about doing this or doing that? I, I just don't understand. And it's, a, you know, it'll end up being the same thing over and over again where history will repeat itself. That generation will get to about our age and say the same thing about that, that generation. Ah, oh, these kids today, they don't they don't know what it's like, you know, being a TikTok star. I mean, it was hard and blah, 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 taking this kind of flack and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, granted, we'll all probably be like dead and buried by then, so I won't even care. But, you know, it's always a bright, bright light at the end of the tunnel. What can I say? <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I mean, as it stands, this young girl is learning the hard way about her own cancel culture canceling her so uh, you know it is what it is with her you know it got you got to move on darling got to move on and you know figure out another way to do people into watching you so you know that's that's what it is uh we have a lot of uh interesting entertainment news coming up including uh the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion aired, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about how that reunion went, including the reunion between Janet Hubbard and Will Smith. That was actually a very interesting uh, reunion in and of itself. Talk a little bit about that. In sports, uh, Dana White is pretty much betting that Khabib will be fighting again, and he names off four possible opponents. We'll talk a little bit about that. In video game news... We have a brand new GTA Online has a brand new DLC that adds a private island. I'll let you know a little bit more about that. And of course, later on, we also have uh, the beautiful Amanda Holly will be joining, uh, will be on the show talking about her newest uh, single, No More, a commentary, which we will also feature on the show. But first, here is Green Day's Basket Case right here on The Xander Effect. Do you have the time to listen to me whine about nothing and everything all at once? I am one of those melodramatic fools, neurotic to the bone, no doubt about it. Sometimes I give myself the creeps Sometimes my mind plays tricks on me It all keeps setting up I think I'm crazy Sex, I'm bringing me down I went to a whore He said my life's a bore Choke with my wife and puts it's bringing me 
Hey guys, this is Ian Gary. Hey, this is Annalise Hoveda. Hey yo, this is Nightmare from Dirty Machine. Hi, this is Cambry Lovesey. Hey, this is Dovely. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you're listening to the Xander Effect.
counterfeit. So you better respect my authority.
That was Laced in Blues, Do What I Want, right here on the Xander Effect. In entertainment news, so the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion aired uh, yesterday, actually, but uh, HBO Max members got to watch, uh, uh, I guess, uh, the day before. They gave us a pre-viewing you know, viewing of it, and it was really uh, interesting to watch because, I mean, it, it was actually a really great reunion. I actually watched the, the whole thing, and uh, they basically talked about how um, how uh, you know they 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 talked about like their auditions, uh, a lot of uh, different uh, things that happened. I mean, there was even uh, Will Smith even talked about how his audition went because he really didn't have an audition per se. Uh, it was a funny story. And in case you haven't seen the reunion special, spoiler alert, gonna go ahead and talk a little <laughs> bit about some of the stuff that happened. Um, basically, Will Smith talked about how he went to, and, and even uh, Alfonso Ribeiro didn't even know about this story. He even said, how did I never know about this story? Uh, Will Smith was actually approached by Benny Medina and uh, because the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was loosely based on Benny Medina's life uh, because he went from living in Watts to living in Beverly Hills. And it was loosely based on Benny Medina's life. And Benny went ahead and approached Will Smith and said, hey, you know, I mean, at the time, Will Smith was just a you know rap artist. He was just, you know, touring with uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff. And uh, he was approached by him and said, hey, I have an idea about uh, about a rapper that comes that comes from, you know, uh, a rough neighborhood and goes into Bel Air and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, you know, sounds interesting. Uh, and uh, Quincy Jones was having a party and they went ahead and went to Quincy Jones's birthday. It was his birthday, actually. He was having a birthday party. They went to Quincy's house for his birthday and uh, Benny went ahead and pitched it right there at the party. Wow. And Quincy loved the idea. And he told Will, he's like, Will, why don't you go ahead and audition for all of us? And he put Will Smith on the spot. And Will Smith is like, yo, nah, wait, what? <laughs> like, he didn't know what to say. So uh, Quincy went ahead and pulled uh, Will Smith on the side. And he's like, well, you know, I want you to audition for this. I think you'd be perfect for the part, blah, blah, blah. So... Long story short, he basically told uh, Quincy, he's like, all right, give me 10 minutes to go ahead and try to prepare for this. He went ahead and auditioned, got the part. Obviously, he was going to get the part anyway, but Quincy just wanted him to see how he would do uh, mm -hmm. under pressure and with a crowd, I guess. And he did very well. So they went ahead. So they cast everybody else. Now, the in, the the part that everybody was actually waiting on was the re, actual reunion between Will Smith and Janet Hubbard because as we all know Janet was allegedly released from uh, uh, playing the role of Aunt Vib uh, on the show after three seasons now what ended up happening was that there was a lot of uh, there was a lot that was exposed in this in this reunion uh, Janet did not take it easy on Will she actually went ahead and really let him happen like she first thing that she said i mean they they basically were very when they first saw each other they hugged and everything sat down and the first thing that came out of her mouth was i just want to know why why did you do this to me 
Um, yeah, no, she, she, that was the this first is in front thing. of everybody. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is, this is in front of the cameras rolling. And she's like, why did you all do this to me? Pretty much is what she said. And she, uh, Will Smith was kind of thrown aback. He was like, he didn't expect it to come. Like he expected to kind of warm up into the whole issues that happened. But no, she was <laughs> straight for the jugular and she didn't stop there. She basically expressed how hurt she was that. That uh, she was treated this way and how Will Smith basically used the phrase she would quote she was very difficult to work with and she said that for a black woman that's the kiss of death in the industry Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and because of that uh, it hurt her financially morally she couldn't find a job for a very long time she really let him have it and Will just was like taking it and he was just like because apparently she was pregnant at the time and she was going through a lot of per- like in part she kind of apologized because in part it was her own fault because she was going through a lot of personal issues at the mm-hmm. time she lost the will to laugh she was pregnant she was emotional uh, there was a lot of things that she was going through uh, She her, her husband was out of work mm-hmm. uh, she had a baby on the way and mm-hmm. apparently she was also going through an abusive relationship with her husband. Oh, wow. So there was a lot of things in her personal life that she wasn't expressing or sharing. And it was com- coming off as she was being kind of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I don't want to say the word, but the B word. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's how people, that's how the cast was kind of seeing her, but they had no idea she was going through a lot of stuff and neither did Will. Will didn't have any yeah. idea. And uh, he even said that he's like, I had no clue that you were going through mm-hmm. all this. And he also expressed that at the age of 21, he mm-hmm. pretty much saw everybody as a threat. And she was like, you even saw me as a threat? He's like, no, not not, not, not just you. I saw everybody in general as a threat towards me at 21. Mm-hmm. But uh, he also expressed how now that he's a father, he understands. Mm-hmm. Uh, he understands a little bit of what she was going through as a parent now. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end of it all, they they went ahead and and uh, he apologized they said i'm sorry to one another they they squashed the whole thing and uh they went ahead and just you know they 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 basically uh let bygones be bygones and he he told her he's like i could not have a 30-year reunion uh without you i mean (laughs) you were part of what how this all came about how this was all created and how this was all uh done and i thank you for that because Mm -hmm. without you this show wouldn't have been able to be the way it was and thank you so much for that Mm -hmm. another interesting aspect about this is that the the uh ad viv number two daphne reed had never met janet she never met her until the reunion Oh, wow. Yeah. She said, I've never met the woman. I've never met the lady. You know what I mean? I've never met her. And they finally got to meet. They finally hugged. Everybody uh, was reunited uh, because the the in, the the one-on-one was separate from the reunion itself. Uh, they kind of, like Will Smith wanted to have a one-on-one with Janet first before mm-hmm. he brought her into the reunion. So he brought her in. They all hugged. They all like embraced one another. They had an incredible uh uh, an incredible reunion. Uh, they paid a tribute to uh, James Avery, who played Uncle Phil on the show, which uh, they That's all cool. 
they all cried when they saw the 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 um, mm-hmm. the tribute to him. Another thing, and Jeremy, you might like this because we've talked about how uh, you know uh, the the one the, the actress that played the little sister uh, on your show, Ashley. Uh, mm-hmm. She how she has been kind of uh, you know uh, set aside whenever you guys have reunion. In this reunion, they brought little Nikki. I mean, and Little Nicky was only on the show for like maybe one, maybe two seasons. They brought mm-hmm. him towards the end of the reunion. And he's all grown up. Like, he's got a mustache and everything. And he was kind of a surprise to everybody. Because during mm-hmm. the entire reunion, I was wondering, I was like, where, where's baby Nikki? How come they don't include yeah. him in this whole thing? I was kind of thinking, I was going back to what Jeremy was talking about with Ashley. But yeah. no, they included him. They brought him in for the reunion, which is really cool. So it was an incredible uh, reunion special to watch. And uh, I mean, it was just awesome, guys. I got to tell you, you know, you get HBO Max, watch the reunion. Okay. It was awesome. It was awesome to go ahead and relive a lot of amazing moments in the Fresh Prince of Bella reunion. So, I mean, Jeremy, I mean, you, you come from that era. I mean, what are your thoughts? I'll definitely have to give it a, you know, give it a watch, um, you know, coming from that kind of background as well. Um even on a cast that got along as well as we did, you have your issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, you definitely do. Everybody knows it's been well documented, the issues that um, people on our show had with Kirk in the last few years of our show, the last two years in particular, um, because of his newfound religion at the time, made him rather difficult to work with, and it alienated a lot of people on our show. But even beyond that, we had our own family issues. We were a mm-hmm. second family. There are still, there are resentments. There are mm-hmm. issues. There are like any family, you know, there really is. And you have two choices. You can either deal with it and move forward or you can dislike each other and not talk to each other. That's, it's no different than a real family. You know, I mean, yeah. that's the truth. If, if people are part of your lives for that long mm-hmm. and, you know, seven, eight years where you're spending eight months, nine months a year at a time with these people, they are your other family. They are mm-hmm. a second family to you. So you're always going to have this kind of drama, this kind of no matter what it is, um, it's going to be there. So mm-hmm. it's good to see that they, you know, were able to mend some of those fences. And, you know, as I've said, in our situation with Kirk he came to us when we did our very first uh, Growing Pains reunion movie and in the first week we were shooting um, actually I think it was like day two we were all shooting he took us all aside the first moment he had and we and he apologized to us for his Mm -hmm. behavior and kind of how he had been and you know, he said he didn't, you know, at the time really didn't understand what his faith was about, what it even meant to him. And he kind of mm-hmm. went off the deep end and was so sorry for how he had treated us. And, you know, mm-hmm. it was just it was an amazing moment. And all that hurt was washed away. Mm-hmm. So really it's cool. it's it's really good to see, um, you know, them be able to come to that point but you know people got to remember this is no different i mean a, a tv mm-hmm. family especially one that's on for that long develops like a real family i mean it <laughs> really does so you're gonna have all those same issues yeah it's very true it's very true and i'm glad that they at least were able to resolve things with janet um uh, you know she was at least able to express how she felt and mm-hmm. how how uh you know how 
how she's able to uh, forgive because that's what that's what it all boils down to as well is forgiveness right. is you you ask for a for an apology you know a heartfelt apology apology and you forgive and it was really and in my opinion I think it was really cool for Will to include her in this special and actually you know let, let the record show that hey mm-hmm. without Janet this show wouldn't have been able to go off the way it did. Speaking yes. of Will, can I just say this? Speaking of Will, I, I think that um, just from observing just things that have happened in his life in the last couple of years and Jada's show, Red Table Talk, I'm just seeing a change in him. Like, I wonder, you know, when, when you say 30 years, wow, it's taken 30 years for them to finally, for her to finally have her moment and to mm-hmm. for them to finally patch things up. I mean, we all grow and we all change. Um, hopefully, we're forever evolving. And I wonder how much of Jada and just the Red Table talk show has made Will, in my opinion, more open to accepting criticism and um, and just open to talking, um, just in general, in his personal and professional life. Because I've seen a couple of episodes on Red Table Talk. I'm a big fan of that show where he's allowed you know his family to call him out on stuff openly so i with you all and with jeremy making the point that when you're working on a show like that that runs so long uh the cast does become your family and so being just open in his personal and professional life to be able to take another look at himself, you know, and hold himself accountable for something. I just think it it says a lot. And I don't think it's a coincidence that all of this has happened to him. Well, well, I can add to that too. I mean, you see it. I mean, in a lot of, in a lot of people who are in the public eye, we've seen him grow up. I mean, Mm -hmm. we've seen him mature. He's a father. He's a man who's, you know, come a long way and been able to look back at his mistakes. He seems mm-hmm. very uh, willing to self-reflect. Mm-hmm. And that's just shows a real maturity level. And mm-hmm. I think, I mean, maybe, you know, a lot of that has to do with what's going on with Jade and, Jada and her show. And mm-hmm. maybe, maybe the show came out of the way they've learned to communicate and talk about these things. You know, mm-hmm. who knows? Mm-hmm. But I think think it's there's a definite maturing process that we've watched and i think watching interviews with him and watching him talk about his projects his family his friends the Mm -hmm. you see a mature a different level of maturity now and i think that's very common you know with a lot of people when they hit this this age Mm -hmm. yeah and and i think that uh i think that and and like you know, pretty much uh, going back to what he said, he even admitted himself that now that he's a father, mm-hmm. uh, he sees things differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess, I guess, uh, I mean, I'm not a parent, but I guess, you know, but Jeremy, you are. Uh, and I guess when you become a parent, you you are forced to see things differently. And but it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Because yeah. you're forced yeah. to actually reflect and say, you know what, maybe I did something wrong and I can't be teaching my children my mistakes. Well, let, let me give you a very good example. And it's a random example, but during my wilder years, if you'd have asked me, I'd have told you that, you know, when my kid turned 16 or so, I was going to be the first one to roll a joint and smoke it with him. <laughs> I can tell you right now that did not happen. <laughs> 
I can tell you right now as a father, that didn't even enter my mind. Nice. Uh, come that point in time. Things change. We grow up, you know, and yes, becoming a parent does change your worldview at least 90% of the time. I mean, we have all seen people that that's not the case, unfortunately. Um, but 90% of the time, I'd say, you know, yeah, parent becoming a parent changes your entire worldview. It changes the way you look at everything, the way you reevaluate the things you did, you know, everything. It really changes it all. So there's, there's no way, there really is no way to understand that type of shift in a worldview without it, without experiencing it, because it changes everything just that instantly. And I had three ready-made kids that came into my life and it, yeah. you know, and it's still, it, 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 it alters every aspect. I mean, every decision you make now takes on a whole new, a whole new meaning and a whole new, uh, Mm-hmm. Um, a whole new point of view. So, yeah, I, I mean, I was as stupid and wild and dumb as could be, you know, like most yeah. of us were in our, like most <laughs> of us were in our, you know, in our youths and our early 20s and that kind of thing. But, you know, I, as I've gotten older, I've calmed down a lot, as Xander can tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a much more peaceful person nowadays. I think it would have been cool to. I think it would have been cool to actually have met you back in the, your 20s. <laughs> well, I think yes, we I think we would have gotten into a lot of trouble. Yes, we would have. That's why I think I got enough trouble on my own. I, I don't need any more help. Oh, I would have pushed. I would have pushed. I would have been so bad. I would have yeah. been a horrible influence. I, I already had Brad. I didn't. I don't need another one. Thank you. Well, I mean, again, you know, the reunion was amazing. I enjoyed watching it. It was it was really cool to uh, go back and see some of the the episodes. Really funny, uh, very sad. They're very emotional moments. Very very great uh, reunion special. I would definitely recommend for everybody to go check it out. If you are a Fresh Prince of Bel Air fan, definitely go check out the reunion. And if not, uh, HBO Max also has Fresh Prince of Bel Air all seasons streaming on there. So you know, cool. go ahead and check that out as well. In other entertainment news, coming to America too is coming to Amazon in March of 2021. Uh, looks like the sequel to uh, Coming to America has been uh, has been bought by Amazon Prime and uh, it will be airing in March of 2021 uh, as, as, as reported by Variety. Uh, uh, Jennifer Salk, head of Amazon Studios, went ahead and said, quote, Coming to America, <laughs> Coming to America's uh, uh, was a cultural phenomenon uh, that is one of the most loved and celebrated comedies of all time. Thanks to Eddie Murphy's comedic genius, along with the brilliant filmmakers, writers, and fabulous cast, fabulous cast, we couldn't be more excited to celebrate this new adventure. We know audiences around the world will fall in love with this hilarious, joyful movie that will surely become a timeless favorite. So... Apparently, it seems that uh, the 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 premise of this uh, sequel has Eddie Murphy uh, reprising his role as uh, now the Crown Prince Akeem. He's he's actually now, I believe, the king, uh, mm-hmm. and his uh, his uh, confidant uh, Semi, played by Arsenio Hall, have to they go they travel back to Queens, New York again. Uh, before in the first part, in the first part of the of of coming to America, they come to 
America to find a wife, uh, an intelligent wife. Right. That's what right. he wants. So uh, in the sequel, there's not really much as to why he's coming back to Queens, but uh, basically we have the, the the you know we have a bunch of people that are returning back from the from the original. We have James Earl Jones, Shari Headley, John Amos, and Louis Anderson will be reprising the roles from the original. Uh, but we also have brand new members of the cast coming in, uh, which is Wesley Snipes, Leslie Jones, Tracy Morgan, Jermaine Fowler, Bella Murphy, uh, Rotimi, Kiki Lane, uh, Nomzamo Mambatha, and uh, Tiana Taylor are all joining the, the sequel. Mm. So that's going to be an all-star cast as well. Uh, this this is actually... Lonnie, you expressed yeah. that you were actually really excited that this is coming I've, out. I've been very, very excited. I'm a huge, huge Coming to America fan. I I can recite dialogue from the film and all kinds of stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> She's my queen. No, we quit. So anyway, um, I love, 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 love the movie. Um, so hilarious. Eddie Murphy and all of the characters he plays. Genius. Um, so I've really been looking forward to it. The only thing that I'm sad to hear, because we were talking about it last year, and there, you know, there were plenty. I was just hoping for like a premiere and seeing at the yeah. movies and red carpet. It's just not the same coming out on Amazon. I mean, I'm glad that they're moving forward with it, but it's just not the same with coming out on Amazon Amazon Prime. Well, I mean, but I think it's cool. You mentioned the cast, uh, Bella Murphy. I think that's one of his daughters. Mm-hmm. So sounds like he has, you know, one of his daughters in it. But um, mm-hmm. we'll just have to see, you know, how funny it is if it's as good as as the original. But I love Coming to America. It's well, one of my favorite movies. Well, you see, Lonnie, this isn't the only movie, actually, that's going, coming straight from uh, because due to the pandemic, a lot of changes have, have happened. Uh, mm-hmm. Wonder Woman 1984 is going to be on HBO Max in December 25th and is going to be simultaneously premiering in theaters as well. It's going to be wow. on both. It's going to be in theaters and on HBO Max. So, okay. uh, and it's going to be on HBO Max for a limited time, though. Uh, so, it's going to be premiering on on um, on Christmas uh, on Christmas actually Christmas morning, December twenty fifth. Uh, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four will be on. So, that's actually a treat for a lot of people. To be honest, I know a lot of people love seeing premieres and everything. But to be honest, as a moviegoer, especially right now in the pandemic, I miss going to the movies. Don't get me wrong; I mm-hmm. really miss doing that. But I'm happy that at least a lot of the really fun movies are going to be on television where we can be able to access it in my right. opinion you know i'm actually right. happy about that uh get to you know watch it in the comfort of my own home i don't have to like you know mm-hmm. sit next to you know mm-hmm. you know this guy over here uh you know mm-hmm. watching the movies and stuff you know um, that's just that's just <laughs> that's just the 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 silver lining to the whole thing but yeah. uh <laughs> but, you just said last week you love going to the movies with me <laughs> i said no such thing i said no such thing we have it on the show on proof i don't we understand i don't you said you said you <laughs> love going to the movies with me. I said I love going to the movies with your fiance. No, and no, no, I'm no, okay no. with you, you being there. there. You know, no, that's no, no, fine. No, 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 you know, no, that's not what you said. Uh, I have proof. You know what? You know what? We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to delete everything that you're saying right now. So, <laughs> but I mean, Jeremy. I mean, you know, what do you like? I mean, what do you think about coming to America, going straight to Amazon Prime, and Wonder Woman going straight to HBO Max? 
Uh, it's it's definitely a split feeling for me. I definitely appreciate the fact we can still get this entertainment. We can still get some new entertainment, as I'm sure many people are feeling like I am. We've binged everything we can. <laughs> There's yeah, tell me very it. little we have not seen on streaming right now with as, as uh, sequestered as most of us have been. Um, so that's nice to have. But as a fan... Those two films in particular, it breaks my heart. Um, First and foremost, Coming to America was the first... First or... Let me see. Which came out first, Rain Man or Coming to America? Oh, that's a good Uh, question. I think it was Coming to America. I believe believe so, too. And if so, Coming to America was my first rated R film that I went and saw on my own in a theater. Oh, awesome. I was 12 years old, and this is when you could still do this. I Mm -hmm. went to the theater with a note in my pocket from my mother (laughs) (laughs) saying that I was allowed to purchase this R-rated movie ticket at 12 years old, and they just accepted the note. I mean, I didn't have to, you know, forge it. My mom had no issue with it but i mean i could have forged the damn thing and they wouldn't have, you know known the difference and that was the first r-rated you know film at all that i i went and watched alone and i remember sitting there and just i mean i actually almost fell out of my chair i was laughing so oh, hard what's um, your favorite scene jeremy the but was it by chance the barbershop scene the boys i'll call them cash is clean i call them cash is clean that, being a huge <laughs> boxing being a huge boxing fan that was definitely one of my favorite scenes um, so very hard to choose but and honestly, I couldn't tell you what was my favorite scene back then. Yeah. Um, or what struck me. And I, I believe walking home from the theater, um, I, I, I just kept reliving the whole film. I mean, I found the mm-hmm. whole thing so amazingly brilliant mm-hmm. and funny. And I was a huge fan of Eddie Murphy at that point. And as we all know, it's part of the extended Trading Places universe and everything. Well, Trading Places was my favorite oh, movie yeah. as, a, as a kid. Love that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, so it just really connected with me. So not getting to see it in the theater is is a little heartbreaking for me because yeah. of that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then with Wonder Woman, you know, the sheer marvel of it the sheer no pun intended for the opposite well they're not marvel they're dc but I, yeah, well, I know that's what i mean <laughs> i know it's the opposite but um but you know the spectacle of it to see it up on the big screen is is what i would have wanted i mean yeah. he, being a huge wonder woman fan as a as a kid um this one just looks so epic and so spectacular. Yeah, tell me about it. It really is going to lose a little something, you know, not seeing it up on the big screen the first Takes time. Takes it back to 1984. Talk about an era that many people would have loved to have seen on the big screen. Right. That's, that's, it's, it's tough, but I mean, I see what you're saying and yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a really tough one, but uh, hey, I mean, we got to adapt. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we have to adapt with the sur- with the current circumstances, and hopefully next year, next year will be different for a lot of things. Hopefully, next year we'll start little by little, start uh, you know, 
getting back to normal as much as possible. So, uh, but yeah, like I said, coming to America, coming in March 2021. So definitely looking forward to that one. And of course, Wonder Woman coming uh, in the next couple of weeks, actually, uh, December 25th to HBO Max. So should be a really cool thing to watch. In other entertainment news, uh, Michael B. Jordan has been named Sexiest Man Alive. And uh, Lonnie, you you kind of brought this up. Yeah, I did. I brought it up uh, for a couple of reasons. One, congratulations to Michael B. Jordan. And uh, I didn't. I don't know if you guys know this, but he follows John Legend, who was uh, Sexiest Man Alive last year. And then the year before that was Idris Elba. So three years in a row, my brothers have been, uh, you know, Sexiest Men, Men Alive, which is really great. I, I They were talking about it on several of the talk shows the other day. There was a time when, because People says People's Magazine has come out with the Sexiest Man Alive, Sexiest Woman Alive for a while now. Mm-hmm. And there was a period of time where you really didn't see that many men of color who were part of the list, at least that high on the list. So it's, it's nice to see um, the magazine has become more diverse in acknowledging who they think is sexy. I think this year they got it right with Michael B. Jordan. He's super hot, supposed to be one of the nicest guys, too, and super humble. What I thought was really interesting is during an interview on Jimmy Kimmel the other night, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel, uh, he was asking him about it and teasing him about it. When, when they were first, when they first got the call, his agent and manager called him to let him know his one of his close friends was in the car with him mm-hmm. and so they really they didn't want to give it uh, they, did, they didn't want anyone else to know so they were trying to keep it under wraps until it came out in the magazine and the best friend uh, would tease them immediately afterwards and was like giving them a hard time as guys would with the whole sexiest man alive thing. But what I thought is really cool, I don't know if you've noticed in quarantine, Michael has let his mustache grow out like a lot of men have done. And so one of the things that he's doing on, um, that he mentioned to um, Jimmy Kimmel the other day, on the fan, what's it called? Fan fan page or fan fan only fan account that a lot of <laughs> artists are, are doing. What he's well, planning on only fans page that's more like yeah. a, that's more like an adult page for you know for models that i guess right money or something. But, but check out what he's planning on doing he's making an only fans page for the mustache huh. wow <laughs> and the money that he makes from that page he is going to give it to all the barbershops who have suffered during the pandemic i just uh, thought cool. that that idea was such a great idea because he was they, they were talking about it so and so Jimmy teased him because he Michael had had a picture of like no shirt with you could see you know the hair hair under his nose which I'm not a big fan of mustache just saying you're, but, not, uh, you're not a fan of the old 70s porn star look no, <laughs> no. so but he's you know he's going to use the money to um to help a lot of the barber shops who are having a hard time right now. So I thought that was really cool. And I don't know. I think I think he's sexy. What do you guys think? 
I mean, <laughs> I, I, you just put me on the spot right there on that one. Um, no, what, what I think is, to be honest with you, I, I whenever I hear the word mustache, I go back to Super Troopers and uh, the cop coming up to the two couple or whatever, be like, who wants a mustache ride? So that's what comes to my mind when I hear mustaches. I mean, Jeremy, what, I mean, what are your thoughts on, on the whole mustache thing? Well, I mean, I, I like what he's doing with that. That's really cool, especially that he's going to be giving away the proceeds. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I tend to, when I hear the mustache thing, I tend to go to Super Troopers as well. So, um, Man after my own heart, he knows. No, I mean, we all know. I mean, Michael B. Jordan's a good-looking guy. Yeah. He's It's definitely deserving. Mm-hmm. As, uh, as Lonnie said, it's very cool to see them recognizing some men of color. Mm-hmm. And, you know, becoming more diverse. Um, they have taken strides with that over the years at a few different times. I remember when um, I remember when they made a big deal out of having um, Patrick Stewart as the mm-hmm. he was the sexiest man in the world one year. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time an older gentleman. Mm-hmm. had been chosen they had mm-hmm. never chosen somebody over 40 years old and at the oh, time wow. he was he wow. was well he was well into his 50s mm-hmm. at the time that they actually chose him okay. um, you know which was a pretty big deal at the time mm-hmm. and i believe I, I i couldn't quote who the first who the first sexiest man of the year who was who was black was i, I don't know yeah that would but, be a good but i'm sure that that was a big deal people pay mm-hmm. attention to mm-hmm. to this and it, it's a a bit of a barometer as to where we're at socially so it, it's good to see yeah that's really, and that's and again, props to Michael B. Jordan for doing what he's doing. I'm glad that he's uh, he's uh, doing it. He's opened up an OnlyFans page for a good cause, which is really cool <laughs> of him. Uh, he's using his his uh, his his status to to be able to promote and be able to help as much as possible during this these crazy times. So props to him and on I, that. And, and I also might say he's one of the few actors who's been working steadily through the pandemic. He's actually mm-hmm. working on a film right now and being produced by Denzel Washington. So Denzel has like given him all these little gems of wisdom during uh, filming. Well, there was there was talk that he that Michael B. Jordan is actually the, the next Denzel. Is really a lot of yeah, a lot of people have been uh, have been comparing him uh, uh-huh. to, to Denzel, saying that he might be the next Denzel. So, who knows? I mean, they might be he might be being he might be getting groomed <laughs> by by Denzel. Yeah. You never know. But you mm-hmm. know, again, you know, props to him. Glad that he's still having stuff that's very steady. So, you know, mm-hmm. definitely looking forward to seeing what that film's all about. But uh, yeah, definitely glad mm-hmm. that uh, he's doing what he's doing. Coming up next, we have uh, Miss Amanda Holly is here and she'll be talking about her newest single, No More, a commentary. But first, here is the new single by Amanda Holly, No More, a commentary right here on the Xander Effect. You are now listening to the Xander Effect. Well, for me, for me, for me. I just want you to say how you feel it. Just say what you feel. Uh, it ain't kind of true 
commentary right here on the Xander effect and with us we have uh the lady herself miss amanda holly amanda welcome back to the Xander effect for hey, Xander. Pre- an unprecedented <laughs> third time you i mean yeah i love having you i'm so happy that you're back on here Aw, it's always the best. It's always the best being on your show. You know I love it. You know I love you. (laughs) Thank you. Likewise, likewise. And I I mean, love your music. I'm always playing it. I'm always playing Runaway. Uh, Get It Boy is actually one of my favorites. I like that one. I like the the rhythm to it and everything. And I mean, I just, I love, I love your music. Your music is amazing. And uh, I mean, you're you're here Um, in Los Angeles, actually. I mean, you're visiting visiting Los Angeles from New York. How's how's the visit going so far? Excellent. Finally back. Usually, well, usually I'm in LA more than I'm home. So that's just like the crazy part. Um, So spending time back east, you know, in a more uh, drawn out and meaningful way was like really good, actually, just to like catch up with everything and my team over there. But it's really great to be back and, you know, hitting the ground running in LA, even just for a couple of weeks. I'm going to head back east and then come back out here for a longer trip after the new year. Nice, nice. Well, I'm, I mean, we're happy to have you here for the holidays uh, and everything. And I mean, I know that you've been, Matt, you're in New York and that place is like on lockdown. There's a lot of stuff yeah, going on in New York. How's it going for you? It's crazy. It's crazy. Like, it's really, you know, actually what I did notice, and I, and I already kind of knew this would be the case, even though L.A. is still really slow compared to obviously normal or like how it used to be um it is it is more on the up and up than the city for damn sure (laughs) really what um, do you mean what do you mean by up and up i'm I'm a little i I think you know just more more people are still engaged in like more productive activities (laughs) Mm because in new york it's like a lot of people a lot of my 
a lot of my core people are in Miami and Dubai. They pretty much left. Um, there are some studios that have like reopened, which was really great. I finally, finally uh, got to go back in the actual studio, which was just like the weirdest thing, you know, because it was like months of this Zoom and all that and me trying to be my own engineer at home. <laughs> but you like, learned a lot though, right? Yeah. Well, you know what? I know how to run uh, a little bit of Pro Tools and stuff, but it's mm. like, it's, it's really for me, it's like I get so engrossed in my process it's so much more fun when I'm with my producers in person but but it's definitely great to be able to you know vibe out at home like that's not that's not an issue but getting to set foot back in the studio like one of the studios actually um where we cut where we cut no more it's like a, one of those really popular legendary studios, Taylor Swift, everybody records out of there. And one of my producers, um, he's like hit, you know, millions and millions of streams and everything on Spotify and he's starting to chart finally. So we decided to get together and I was like, this is a song that I wrote about a year before all the craziness started like actually not this past august but like a year and a half ago august almost a year and a half and i just felt like when i saw what was going on like that song just for some reason i was like i need to finish this one um and it's really interesting because i actually channeled it in the vocal booth a year and a half ago and I literally saw people in the streets with signs and and everything and that's all before this happened so we went in and we cut it but being in the actual vocal booth we were like we were both like whoa it was just so <laughs> it was so crazy but um, LA is a bit more on the up and up um, it's just easier to maneuver because LA is more of an out outside city you know whereas um new york is just a lot more slowed down and a lot of a lot of people that i love back east are either in miami or dubai or or actually here in la i have some people that are in sweden right now oh so, wow yeah but they're all spread out everywhere yeah, yeah, because it's like, it's hard. It's hard to get things done in confined spaces when, you know, you have this like risk. <laughs> right? Um, it's, it's, I mean, I could imagine it's pretty tough on you, but I mean, at least you got to be able to uh, record No More, a commentary, which I wa wanted to ask you about the title exactly. Uh, where did the title come from, No More, a commentary? Okay, so No More was just a vibe that we were just feeling after we were shooting some other video footage um, at the studio mm -hmm. a year and a half ago. We were just vibing out on the Steinway and it just kind of just came out. And then ch I channeled the song in the booth, but I realized that really this was my commentary on my own personal journey through, through our kind of like 3D world. You know? No kidding. The Matrix world, um, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I just want to go to 5D already. Like, I'm just, I just, like, I just, so I just wish I would have taken the blue pill. I mean... Right? You know? <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> right? At this point. <laughs> yeah. We have so many records, though, that I can't wait to release. We have like... I have hundreds of completed records with like Grammy winning and 
multi-platinum producers and writers and it's it's hard to sit on the music but I'm, I'm excited because we're gonna put this one out shortly like within the next few weeks um we just shot a video out here um i shot some footage back east and here in la for this particular record um and then runaway is getting a re-release at a new label platform so and, and we're really excited about that and then i can get on hopefully um you know we have the vaccine and stuff and I can get to shooting like the other 10 <laughs> videos that I've been wanting to do because the other characters um, that I want to include for those just for like a lot of the records are very like women empowerment and, and, and power for the streets and just all of that. And this, this is like all stuff I wanted to talk about before, before this past year, you know? Nice. So it's really important to me to be able to include uh, the, the, the cast that I had in mind for those. But obviously, I want everyone to be safe. So there's of that. <laughs> of course, of course. And I got I to gotta tell you, Amanda, you're not the only East Coast girl here on the show. I mean, Lonnie here is also from your neck of the woods, from that area, yeah. from the East Coast. Yeah. Yeah, I know what it's like to be bi-coastal and everything that you were just talking about, about how things are open more on the West Coast and how, you know, even just, you know, going and grabbing. I mean, I found a great place to go and get juice here because I'm in Pennsylvania <laughs> right now and I was born in New York, but I live in L.A. too. And I just the other day was just like I made myself get out of the car and walk to go get the juice as opposed to, you know, parking right in front of the place just to get yeah. some exercise in. Because it's so easy, you know, on the West Coast, as you know, mm -hmm. to even just exercise. Whereas back here, it's so cold. You yeah. know, don't want to do anything. You don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> so true. So true. That's awesome, though. I'm like, yay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Bicoastal, awesome. See, you, yeah. Definitely, yeah. you definitely have a lot of things in common here. I mean, you're, you're, you're. When, when you come on the Xander Effect now, Amanda, now, now you're surrounded by people that you know that uh, that that are all family here, except for Jeremy, of course. Jeremy, he's like the redheaded stepchild that we don't want. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But, <laughs> but I mean, it's funny because I actually, uh, I actually introduced Jeremy to your music. And uh, oh. when he listened to it, because I, I showed him not just your music, but the music video and <laughs> Jeremy Washington, he was like, wow, she's really talented. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I don't he, he could speak for himself. I mean, I, you know, I'm speaking for him at that at this point. Thank no, you, Jeremy. I, it's, it's very true. I uh, I have a very eclectic uh, enjoyment of music so getting introduced to yours was a real pleasure um, oh, that's cool <laughs> i always love getting to hear new artists and getting introduced to people i wasn't familiar with and people who are as uh passionate lyrically as you seem to be as well and that's something i really love well, thank you for that. That was, that even sounded so deep. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love, I love for me, like, just like what you said, just a great lyric is the epitome of bliss when it comes to my soul. You know, it's like mm -hmm. I was published by Columbia Press um, as a... 
as a high schooler wow. <laughs> um, oh, wow. and for poetry and prose. So it's always like, it's always an interesting new challenge. Like every time we write or I write something like just, I write a record cause I'm composing all the time, but I always want to make it, you know, accessible and, and understandable, um, you know, in those little, three second moments of song versus when we're obviously we're writing prose and poetry it's a, a bit more intricate but i enjoy it just as much um as writing a novella mm -hmm. you know writing a song is just as it's it's so incredible the simplicity of songwriting um in contrast to uh writing a novel is like it's so it's so it's like a whole new challenge. Like it's, it's, you would think one would be, one would be easier than the other, but really they're just both such profound forms of art <laughs> that it's like, mm -hmm. they present their, they each present their own challenges. But I do find that my, my poet, my poetic voice sometimes bleeds into my lyric writing. So that, that, that's funny that you kind of like, <laughs> kind of under like i don't know you can well, feel it, i absolutely felt that i mean it, it registers lyric lyrics i mean a great melody is a great melody but lyrics are what really touches you and those those lyrics that are powerful those lyrics that just touch your heart touch your soul those are what everybody whether it's a style of music you generally like or not that's what people connect to so i i i really I don't know. I just picked up on that and it really touched me. And uh, yeah, no, I really enjoy it. Um, but I did want to ask you, um, and I know this is kind of a cliched question, but since you do seem to put so much uh, value on the lyrics and it's it, it obviously means so much to you, um, where do you draw, where do you find most of your inspiration lyrically? Wow, you know, it's interesting because, I mean, uh, Xander knows I have a really unconventional life and background just from like even from birth just a really crazy 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 um highly unconventional uh depth of experience in life not you know whatever it's just it's interesting but mm -hmm. the, i find that the lyrics write themselves like mm -hmm. even the melodies like some days i just it's just melodies but all day every day and when i'm sleeping most nights i hear the melodies and the lyrics and so i kind of feel like it's almost like just being a channel which every person in this world really is just in different <laughs> ways you know some people are more like you know with numbers and some people have it more with visuals um and for me it's it's melodies and lyrics but they're they're channeled and obviously Obviously, my personal experiences definitely come into play with everything, mm -hmm. but it's almost like they write themselves. It's like it's like plucking them out of the ether, basically, in that respect. You know, it's mm -hmm. kind of weird. <laughs> I have a question, Amanda, about just the business, uh, the music business, because, you know, I, I hear a lot of people such as yourself who are amazing artists and they love 
the artistry and they love the process as it just, I can hear it just when you talk about how, you know, channeling it all through you. But how have you been able to be smart about handling your songs, just like having the the rights to them and um, with the business side of it? Because when I see in so many situations like Taylor Swift, yeah, you know, and yeah. Um, you know who's who's also an amazing songwriter, and yeah. you know, and you know a lot of people are like, well, poor Taylor, you know, but still, that those are her songs, and it's true. You know, those are her babies, right, right. So, like, what are you doing as an artist uh, to avoid a situation like that? Like, what have you done? That's a really profound question. <laughs> yeah, that's a heavy one. You know, you see, you see, you see what I'm talking. You see yeah, what I'm, I'm like, Jerry, I'm like both of you guys. I'm like, no, okay. I chose, I chose well for great co-hosts. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, no, you know, it really is important because, so, like for instance, my dad wrote for Sarah Vaughn back in the mm-hmm. day, mm-hmm. and he signed his royalties away. He's my dad's African American, and it was a oh. different era mm-hmm. in music, and we were completely exploited then not like we aren't mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. Um, and I won't get into that but he uh his you know I didn't really get to know him very well but that story just like broke my heart you know and and I'm his heir to these songs that are like literally have his name on them and I if I want to deal with any of that I have to go and like fight in court and it's already like emotional for me like so mm-hmm. I always said like my my aunt is also a songwriter and she was a lot more diligent my aunt wrote for Stephanie Mills and like a bunch of wow. artists and stuff and like she discovered her and wow got her in the whiz and toured with like my Shirley sister's Red. a huge my sister's a huge Stephanie Mills fan and my sister sings as well so she used to sing home yes I love it okay, okay. yeah okay, okay. Go so on, my go aunt on. discovered <laughs> Stephanie when she was like 13 and got her in the whiz and so home is like something that we grew up playing and singing together at the piano the, my whole child I love that song, but my aunt, you know, she was always like hyper possessive over her work because of that. So she would take me to like little ASCAP events and stuff when I was a kid to teach me about, you know, your masters and your rights. But Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's so challenging. I have to tell you, I had to walk away. I had to literally leave a $10 million deal. Mm-hmm. Because the COO of the company thought that he was like hot, you know what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he he like wanted to own, even though even though contractually like he couldn't, he wanted to own every morsel of everything I did, mm-hmm. and it was really really freaking hard. And I've I've had to turn my back on a lot of situations like that and just walk away from the money. I don't know how, um, you know, I guess mm-hmm. my goal is to build enough leverage where I can still be in control of my work. And that's that's what I think is the really honestly, like maybe the only solution for, for artists today because mm-hmm. the industry is just, it's so cutthroat and it's so, 
and, and people sign their rights away for you know that paycheck and it's like that's that's each you know to each his own for me i'm really in this purely for the art and i want to reach billions of people with it um mm -hmm. but i don't think if i if i sell my soul or you know in there are multiple ways that can happen we know in this industry as females and as minority artists like just and then when it comes to the pure creative side but i think having like a strong team like my my manager he's been in the industry for a long time um, and he comes out of a, uh, the Apollo theater legacy. His dad created Amateur Night at the Apollo and found the icons of American music. He shout out to Ralph, Holiday. by the way. Shout, shout out to Ralph, by yeah, the way. Ralph awesome guy. <laughs> awesome, wow. guy. Yeah. awesome guy. And he knows, he, he knows that like, mm -hmm. it's too important to me. And I think each artist, to, to each his own, like some artists might not care, you know? They might be like, oh, you know, it isn't about that for me. I just want to make this money. I just want to perform and and whatever. But to me, I feel like I feel like if we stand our ground together, you know, when it comes to you know our own personal legacies and what we're trying to build, I feel like it gives every other artist more of a fighting chance. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, even I, if it I, takes a little longer. You know, I actually wanted to. I actually wanted to, wanted to piggyback on on what you're talking about there, Amanda. And you know, as an artist, do you feel like whenever another artist takes a deal like this, knowing the repercussions, do you feel that is somewhat of a betrayal to the art itself? You know, it's not. It's interesting. I mean, people you can look at it that way for sure. I just feel like I can't judge what other people do. Of course, um, every single time that's, that someone compromises themselves to get in the door, it makes it a little bit more challenging for those of us that refuse to do that. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I can't really be mad at them. Like, that's their personal choice. And what I have to do is I have to fight for for what I, what I was put here for, you know? I. It is interesting, though. I, I feel like a lot of people just don't know their power, mm -hmm. too. You know, they really don't. Like, a lot of artists don't realize that we're we're the ones that make this business possible. Like, if, if there's no product, they can't make money. True. And it's like, you know, guys, like, you don't have to... You don't have to resort to some of these things that you're, you know, whether you're selling out your rights for forever or you're, or, you know, <laughs> engaging in things that you really don't want to do. Because if we all, if we all hold tight to like our convictions, then they can't really get around it because they're still going to need product, but it's not really a up to any singular person and it's not my place to like judge it but right. it is sad you know it breaks my heart when i do see stuff like that happening because you walked away from a 10 million dollar deal mm -hmm. that yeah <laughs> huge and I, I was already in it and the money was already flowing and i, uh, I was like because i'm, like, it, because oh, oh, I'm be home free for the next decade yeah because right. a lot of these a lot of these big labels they'll go ahead and throw a lot of money at you uh mm -hmm. but at the end of the day when when the well dries up 
you're pretty much screwed. And, exactly. And that's, exactly. that's what ends up being like, that's a lot of, I mean, that's what's going on right now. Uh, going back to Taylor Swift and Scooter Braun. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. They're they're fighting over that, over the masters. Yeah. And Scooter's like, I own it. I'm sorry. It's mine. And well, I just, he just uh, sold them. He just yeah, I know. That's, I was getting to yeah. that. I was getting to that yeah. part where he just sold them and mm-hmm. she's not getting a dime. Off yep. of that. It's really sad. It's really sad. You know, at the same time, I don't know who was in charge of her of her career at the time, you know, but whoever that initial contract that that they had together was one of those here you're going to get all this sparkly stuff mm-hmm. and then here in the fine print is where we've got you, you know, and it's, it's very tempting. And it's, especially when it, this is your dream and this is like what you're made to do in mm-hmm. the world. It, mm-hmm. it can be freaking challenging. I remember my aunt telling me this story about Stephanie when they were um, working together, they had two labels going for this, going for Stephanie Warner and Motown. Mm-hmm. And my aunt was like really, really begging Stephanie to take the deal with Warner, even though it was less money up front, less money overall, she said, you know, and I love Diana Ross, but mm-hmm. you know, Diana Ross is a diva and she mm-hmm. was in Motown. And my aunt said, you know, they're gonna bury you over there. Just because sometimes mm-hmm. we have that in this industry, sign and bury. If they see somebody that's more competitive than someone they've got, Mm-hmm. They just want to kind of like keep the competition at bay. And Stephanie ended up going to Motown and, because she wanted that big advance. She wanted that upfront money. And they really did. Like they, her career could have been even bigger than it was because she was just so incredible. Like, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, because if you there, ask the average, you know, very, very Because <laughs> if you ask the average person today, who is Stephanie who is Mills? Like, they don't really know. Like, I know because yeah. I love musical theater, and and I, I had a sister who exposed me to a lot of music. But there are probably a lot of people who don't know her music and know who yes. she is. But they know who Diana Ross is. Speaking of big names and people not knowing, and I'm sure you know this. So uh, Dolly Parton's a great songwriter. Yeah. And she wrote, um, I Will Always Love You. I just heard this the other day. Okay, so we know Whitney Houston recorded it and Dolly let her record it. But did you know, and I heard this in in an interview the other day, Dolly had an offer to let Elvis Presley record it. I did not know. Part of the deal, this is the same thing what we're talking about. Part of Elvis's deal was he wanted the rights to that song. And and Dolly, a savvy businesswoman, loved Dolly. By the way, one of my best concerts I've ever seen is Dolly Parton. And She's incredible. Uh, yeah, and so she said no. She's like, no, there was something in her and maybe she just had good people around her, just good sense that she, although she would have loved to have heard what he could have done with that song. Yes. She did not want to sign over the rights to it because that was her baby. And, you know, there you go. That's amazing. I did not know that. Well, I knew about Whitney, of course. 
about mm-hmm. how Dolly wrote that song. I, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I would have been able to. I, I can't see anybody but Whitney sing that song though. Like I, I'm sorry, but you know, Dolly's version is beautiful. Dolly's version it. is really it's beautiful, just, but it is different. It's yeah. well, I mean, it's it was the well, original no, and no, it what, was a hardcore country song. I mean, it is a country song and yes. it's a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if you're used to that Whitney Houston version, it sounds like it's coming from another world. No, yeah, what I mean, no, but, totally what I, but what I mean by that is that between Whitney and Elvis, and Elvis. is what I mean. Is, yes, you no, know, yes. I, I can't, I can't picture anybody other than Whitney singing that song. Uh, obviously, besides Dolly Parton, obviously. Uh, or besides me, <laughs> <laughs> I have a version of it. That's well, cool. well, see, see, I haven't heard your version, so I can't yeah. really. I have no basis of comparison in Raffle that aspect, Amanda. So, <laughs> but I mean, I, I do have. I combine a, them. I combine, I play it, I play it on the piano, and then I combine, um, I mean, obviously, like, obviously, we all pay homage to Whitney's delivery, but I always pay tribute to Dolly, um, and then I, then I have my own way of of delivering it, though, that's, like, (laughs) totally, totally signatory to who I am, you know, my own little (laughs) vocal arrangement that's, in the tradition of, of Miss... Houston with a little bit of Miss Holly in there. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So I, I, I'm curious because I mean, you know, this, this uh, aspect of the business is always very tumultuous. And uh, I mean, is, is it any different in the entertainment, uh, in, in the acting business, Jeremy? I mean, from what, uh, from what Amanda is, from what Amanda is uh, talking about. I don't think it's really that different. Um, except that for an actor you're not creating the product you're performing the product so you know ownership those things don't really play in the one thing that is really comparable is that like amanda was saying you have the power now see Mm -hmm. we don't as much now as a because you're creating as a songwriter as a performer because you want to own your masters your it's your stuff as you said it's your baby you have that power and they don't have a they don't have a product without you actors on the other hand are more dime a dozen yep you know that's the truth um you know if you want to pull the power move and you don't have that leverage yet guess what they're going to find someone else they may not do the part quite as well as you but there are a hundred other actors out there who can do it well mm-hmm. you know it's that's the truth throw a rock it is so it. interesting that way it is you know? um it's just there's and like you said i still don't think people realize they have that power i mean writers you know have that power if you have a great script you you have a great script i mean look at i always throw it back to sylvester stallone writing rocky people mm. offered him tons of money the guy was living on his friend's couches he had had to sell his dog <laughs> he had had to, and people were offering him we're talking 1974 they're offering him a quarter million dollars to buy the script 
Mm. Quarter million was, dollars right now. Wow. Money. That was worth you know, a lot of money back then. And, and he said, absolutely not, because they wanted the script. They wanted to do it their way. With a they wanted actor. to cast their own people. Mm-hmm. And he knew, this is my baby. I do not want to let control of this go. Mm-hmm. I want to play this role. But it was more than just mm-hmm. him wanting to play it as an actor. He wanted full control of this story. <laughs> So I always take it back to that. Actors don't have that leverage. As an actor, you have to make it big and then you can, you know, be selective and use that leverage because you are now a commodity. Whereas I really love the fact that you said you guys have that power and not enough people realize it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's something more people who have that type of control need to realize and and take the reins of because it's just it's not an option I have as an actor and it's not something I've ever you know tortured myself over or lamented about it's just it is what it is I perform other people's work and I try and do it to the best of my ability so I that's I guess Absolutely. one of the reasons why I've always respected songwriters so much as well mm-hmm. is because it's that creative um, you know process and while it is your song similar to a scriptwriter you know other people sing that song and bring something new to it and add mm-hmm. to it and and make it even more and it's beautiful but it's still yours so uh, i don't think enough people realize that i mean it, it also it, speaks it also speaks to just the power in being able to write well whether it be a song a screenplay you know a, whatever um you there's power in that I mean, it's, 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 I don't know. I mean, I guess because I grew up watching, uh, watching Growing Pains and, and watching, you know, watching you as Ben Seaver, Jeremy, it would have been hard for me to see anybody else do that role. I mean, Amanda, I don't know. I don't know if you uh, ever got, I mean, you're from a younger generation, but I don't know if you ever got to watch Growing Pains or anything like that. Uh, but if you did, I, I, again, it would be hard for someone to replace little Ben Seaver on the show as much as it would be hard to replace uh, Mike Seaver on the show. You know, Kirk? Yeah, I believe that about act. I mean, I, I believe, you know, I, I don't feel like actors are so interchangeable. I can, but I understand like where Jeremy's coming from because I grew up on the, in the theater myself, like, and I'm in the actors union and, you know, I trained with a lot of incredible actors throughout my childhood and life and it is a part acting is a part of me you know in just just music is like the number one Mm -hmm. thing but but I love them equally and what I do feel very strongly is like when I had to decide I was kind of like well if I continue down this path it's it's like what Jeremy said it's it's I'm I'm always going to be you know putting up someone else's work even though I'm I am a writer and I guess I could write my own scripts or whatever but that's like a whole other universe of mm-hmm. everything but at the same time like certain actors to me are signatory and you know mm-hmm. are irreplaceable but i also do understand that that feeling of like 
oh, well, they'll just put another person in there. Or like, oh, well, there are 500 of me. But there really aren't, you know? But it's, I kind of, I don't know. I kind of feel like that's another illusion that we're made to buy into that, that oh, you know, that we're, we're interchangeable. Oh, it's, it's absolutely an illusion and it's one they want us to buy into. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Um, I was friends with Jonathan Taylor Thomas and um, oh my goodness, I'm going to blank on his name. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> I'm blanking on scroll through growing pains a little here and there, like reruns and stuff. Oh, awesome. I've never, yeah, so I know of the show. I'm just not familiar enough well, <laughs> to be cool I, like you guys. <laughs> I, would, I was friends with the kids on Home Improvement and in, I believe, the third season, their agents wanted a raise for the kids. Mm. And basically, Disney um, being rather tight with the pennies, let's say it that way, um, basically told them, uh, yeah, tough luck. And if you want to keep pushing this, we'll recast all three kids. My goodness. And wow. that's that was in the third season of an established show. That's and the only, crazy. And the only reason those kids got their raise was because Tim Allen stood up and said, excuse me, you're going to do what to my show? Mm-hmm. And it was his show, so he, he called now, the shots. Now, I don't know if he, I don't know what his reasons were, if he was protecting the kids or the show or both. Yeah. But he basically put a stop to that because mm-hmm. the that's how the executives view us as actors as performers we're interchanged that's how they mm-hmm. see us yeah. so to them it was oh, we'll we'll cast three other kids and yeah. tim being smart was like um no you're going to ruin the chemistry we've established these characters our fans are not going to accept that what the hell are you thinking so basically he forced them to give them a raise but that is how actors are viewed it's just like and i'm sorry i'm sorry to cut you off here uh jeremy but i mean it's like janet hubbard same thing Mm -hmm. we were just talking about her how you know she was the original aunt viv on the fresh prince bel-air and third season (gasps) boom she got she got replaced and you know i mean it was it was one of those things where it happened it really happened and uh although many people see but that's where I, i don't know Sometimes it's 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 kind of a it's kind of a it's a risk that that the executive producers take when it comes to to doing that because when the fans are so used to seeing the same person play the same character day in and day out for a long time and then you cut them off and bring in a new character yeah it takes time to get used to that new character and sometimes you can't recover from that sometimes the show will go down in ratings Mm -hmm. because they'll be like that that character actually made a joke for example the ranch when they got rid of um uh, 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 James Masterson. James Masterson. He mm-hmm. made that show hilarious as his character Rooster. Unfortunately, because of legal reasons, they had to they had to you know request for his resignation to him to leave the show. But after that, the show lost its comedic luster, and yeah. it started going down. That's the reason why it only lasted what two more seasons after that before it was done. Uh, it was it just wasn't the same without that character rooster anymore so it's it's a difficult it's a difficult decision uh when it comes to that but it you know i mean it's again fresh prince of bel-air 
Will Smith carried the show pretty well, along with James Avery and Alfonso uh, Ribeiro and the rest of the cast, that they were able to recover from that change. And they even, I mean, they, they even commented on it in the Fresh Prince reunion, how they were consistently breaking the fourth wall. So bringing in the, the audience into the, the, the running joke, as they would say it, really made a difference in that oh, wow. transition. Because they actually, they actually made a comment about it when when uh, when Janet when Janet was uh, uh, left the show uh, about how you know Jazz came in and he looked at the new Ed and he was like you know what Ms. Banks there's something different about you yeah. <laughs> and then they focused on Will's expression on his face and he just looked at the at the camera like yeah. <laughs> Well, like, oh, that's funny. And it was it was actually a really brilliant move on their part. I'll, <laughs> uh, and I'll tell you, there's another uh, there's only one other show that went that specific with breaking the fourth wall on that type of thing and it's Roseanne. Oh wow. Um when Lacey Gorenson left Roseanne and left her part as Becky because oh, she yeah. wanted to yeah. she wanted to go to college and pursue her academics. Mm-hmm. They made a very big deal about it being a new Becky. And they had a running joke about it for quite a long time. And they even did an episode, I believe two years later, where they brought Lacey Gorenson back and Mm -hmm. had the two of them walking in and out of the room as Becky at different times, just (laughs) screwing with people. And it helped the the fans adjust to the transition. It was a brilliant move on the producer's part when they had to do that. Now, given it was different from Janet's situation in that Lacey chose to leave. Yeah, right. Uh, it's definitely it's definitely a risk, but I mean, uh, going back to music, I mean it it's 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 difficult for musicians to be interchangeable. That that's something you can't do. Yeah, I, well, you know what? It's weird. It's weird because it it's we have that similar thing where it's kind of like, well, if you don't go along with this. There are thousands of girls or, you know, whatever, guys, whatever, behind you that will do literally whatever we want. And sometimes if you don't comply with what they want, they will literally rip your, your whatever, your look, your actual songs. They'll just like reword them and stuff and whatever for another artist who's willing to do certain things that you're not willing to do. So we have that. It's just that, you know, it's again, it's like that. It's we have a little bit more power in terms of our choice to like, I don't even know about that. I mean, I guess anybody could walk away from anything, but there may be more routes. There might be more ways to get around it in the music industry. I kind of feel like because with like TV and film, it's an even smaller pool seems like. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think my point was more that it's not that we can't walk away. Of course we could. But and again I know that they can always find someone else who can sing or someone else who can play that instrument. But if you have a song that's going to change the world that they hear and they know, my God, this is going to touch people all over. That's a certain amount of power. 
Yes. Yes. Yes, and, definitely. And that's that's always important uh, to actually have. So it's a little easier. It's mm-hmm. a little bit easier in that respect, for sure. <laughs> like, so, so, Amanda, I wanted to ask you, uh, going back to the lyrics of No More, actually, uh, it seems like these lyrics are a little bit uh, intimate, very intimate. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> what were you, what, what inspired you uh, in writing the lyrics to No More? Okay, so uh, this so this song again was channeled. Um, really, I was in the studio after a shoot. I'm with Alvin, um, Alvin Anthony, who's the producer of the record, and we were just vibing out on the Steinway, and it was all just kind of pouring out. Um, also on the record is RG, producer RG, and then a great songwriter, Jonathan Booth, who's like freaking wonderful. And I don't know, I just had these like, all of the 3D stuff and like, just just for me, like the trivialization of, of our world, um, <laughs> It pains me. I don't know how, how I can really like explain it quickly and easily. <laughs> um, I just was in the booth and I was just feeling like our society has just become based in triviality and that's not who we are. Like almost mm-hmm. like 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 songs that just make your head bop mean more than the songs that change your life. Mm. And it feels like that's happening in every aspect of our lives. Mm -hmm. At that point, this is before, this is before COVID, like this is before anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just feeling like there really are massive, massive shifts that we, we need to make in the world, but everybody's like stuck in this little, 3d game and they're stuck we're we're all stuck on this little hamster wheel and we're just like running in circles and what i really want is this more this space of connection and like intimacy with one another as 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 beings as as spiritual beings on this planet you know and that 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 connection that is divine rather than oh look at my shoes look at you know this is rather this than superficial is, yeah and it's not it's not to be whatever it's just i feel like that's where our society has been sitting mm-hmm. like it's just like oh yeah let me bop my head like don't give me that song that's going to make me cry nice. because i don't want to even acknowledge my own feelings and we have so much stuff that's just pushed under the rug like we talk about like what's happening to women all over the world and children all over the world and that's in addition to like all of obviously like whatever racial issues discrimination with lgbtq like whatever whatever like there are certain countries where you can't even be outwardly gay because you'll be persecuted there are countries where you get persecuted for being a christian there's like there's so many of these like horrifying things and we're in this incredible world where we have all the capabilities of modern science where we can like feed clothe house every single person on earth 
out of love, not with like totalitarianism, but just pure love. And it just, it, it pains me that like everyone is just preoccupied with like the immediate instant gratification of the, of what's happening, you know, in this next hour, like, or uh, let me take my clothes off in this video so mm-hmm. that I can, so I can get that check, you know, oh, yeah. or uh, let me, let me go to this party so I can be seen at this party, not so I can actually let loose and have fun because God forbid I embarrass myself. Oh like, God, thank you for saying that. Yeah, it just feels like that. it's, we're in this trivial little, little uh, Truman show, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. and now, we have what's going on with the pandemic and everything. And and it, it's like, all of that to me is still like a farce for all of what's really, really plaguing humanity as a whole. And that's just, I feel like it's our, our, our almost our consistent uh, feeling of separation from that universal creative force. Like some, some people are like tapping into it and then others are walking around with blinders on and it's not anyone's fault, but I feel like we need to choose to opt in to one another. And it's like, I don't want that literal physical feeling. You know, I want, I want sexual healing. And it's not even like, it's like not just about our bodies, but it's even even with like love making and like sex, like in this in this world, people have gotten to a point where it's like, let me get on my app and find someone to, and it's like that's not even gonna give you that. That's not gonna that bring connection. you to ecstasy even. Like, connection. it's not about like judging. Mm-hmm. It's just like we should want something deeper right. as a planet, and it hurts. It it literally mm-hmm. like hurts me. Like it hurts me to see that we are like living on this like, oh, I'm told what is happening from my Apple alert. This Mm -hmm. is what's happening today. I'm going to go with this narrative today and I'm going to, I'm going to drink my smoothie. I'm going to go to the gym (laughs) and then I'm going to go and like not dance at the club. (laughs) I'm going to meet some guy that I pretend I don't care about and like just even with the music industry, it's like people mm-hmm. used to want to like change the, the world. Mm-hmm. And there's so much suffering. Like, even if you think like, I always like go back to this. There's like every single day, 20,000 kids die of starvation just because mm-hmm. they're born in a country where there's, n- there's this illusion of scarcity of food. But like specifically, if, even if you go to Africa, the most like the, the most uh, um, oh my gosh, they have more natural resources than like any continent <laughs> in the world. I mean, I'm not a geographer, but um, but I think it's safe to say they have so many natural resources, gold and diamonds, and mm-hmm. and and you've got kids that are like suffering like and then we're all out here like oh let me go and don't don't get me wrong i love shopping and i love (laughs) i love just spending time with my friends and people i love but but it's like oh let me just go and show this girl up at the at the restaurant Mm -hmm. like it's just like silly to me or like oh let me make this hot record so i can make money like 
No, do you mind? Because you're really touching on something that, like, I was thinking about the other day when I was watching Saturday Night Live. And because I just want your opinion as an artist and not to, like, hate on these women who who or some of these artists I see coming up who are very successful, who are profiting off of the I I feel off of what you're talking about right now, because they're you could go a different route and want a spiritual transformation which it sounds like what you're saying or you can profit off of where people are as the far status as where quo. Yeah. right the status quo so when i think of that okay two two artists they're not singers but they're rappers who come to mind who are very popular right now mm-hmm. super successful and i'm not hating on them yeah i'm from a different generation mm-hmm. though okay so one of them is megan the stallion and mm-hmm. the other one is cardi b now I will, I will bop my head and play a Cardi B song. Yeah, I won't yeah. play it around my little nieces and stuff because <laughs> yeah. Cardi's a little, I'm a little bit conservative. Some of the stuff she says sometimes is a little <laughs> bit too much, you know, mm-hmm. even for me, I'm just going to keep it real. And, mm-hmm. but, you know, and then Megan, some of the stuff she says sometimes, I, I think she's a gorgeous woman. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit too much for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It just is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what do you think about their success? And what do you think about them? I just w- would like to know. Mm. Well, it's like, again, like, yeah, I'll bop my head to it. Mm. I don't want to make, I don't want to create music in that lane because it's just mm-hmm. not who I am. Mm-hmm. I know a few things about their backstories that I won't say right okay. now. Okay. Um, but it's, you know, it's it, it, if you opt into the matrix, especially as a black female that's what we're expected to do yeah that is what we are expected to do as black females if we want to if i have been and i don't even know if i should be saying this but as as a black artist i have had some of the top 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 people in this industry telling me amanda you know don't tell don't we're just gonna say that you're not we're just gonna say you're like you know whatever and trying to get me to disown my race wow. because I'm a soulful pop R&B singer wow and if I want to go down that lane that's in that pop category which I'm not a pop singer you know I'm a I'm a pop artist mm-hmm. but I'm a soul R&B singer then mm-hmm. I have to then <laughs> disown my race otherwise I'm urban if I'm wow. black I'm urban and I have to dirty up my, like, it's really, really, really painful. So it's like, you know, I get it. That's their thing. I also happen to know that for certain people, it's literally not about music. (laughs) They they literally couldn't care less. And certain people have gotten there by literally not from their music, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, with uh, you know, but they've gotten there by other questionable aspects. Well, you know, that's <laughs> they want to play the game. It right. really comes down to the people who are controlling these companies, mm-hmm. you know, and the messages that they want to send into the the you know the sphere, you know. And for me, it's like I'm I'm I want us to transcend all of this. Right. Just it's all a beautiful part of life. Like everything is 
you know, but I feel like we're out of balance. I guess that's mm-hmm. the best way I can say it. And it hurts my soul. It hurts my soul to sit there in an office with somebody telling me that as I was extremely racially, physically, and other ways abused my entire childhood, had nothing. And the only thing that got me through was my music. And I had to come finally learn to love every part of myself, the parts I was trained to hate, my mm-hmm. people in my own family who were like horrific racists. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, if I'm going to be forced now to like there's nothing that's going to get me to disown my race but at the same time I'm not going to degrade mm-hmm. our, our you know female sisters and I'm not going to mm-hmm. degrade our race for anything and mm-hmm. I think that but it's very easy you know but for me I never had anything I so I don't really need anything I've always made beautiful beauty out of out of nothing so I don't need and I don't need the material things. Obviously I love shoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're like and it's it's important for me to get to that to that mm-hmm. level where you know I can take care of my mom and I can mm-hmm. be there for the people I care about and you know whatever and have my foundations and everything like that but I want to do work in the world for like kids and for like women and everything and I can't do that if I sell my soul like I just can't I'm not saying but I'm not judging anyone else that's what they feel their purpose is like that's what they're gonna do mm-hmm. and you know I'll listen to the music and like yeah like they're all mm-hmm. there's so many different forms of female empowerment so it's not even like that mm-hmm. but it's just I know I know mm-hmm. what their the motives are of mm-hmm. a lot of these people who are pushing artists in certain directions mm-hmm. and it's so sad to see us get used in that way Right. Because it's nefarious. It's not about, mm-hmm. it's not about because just because they think it'll sell. Because mm-hmm. it, it's, and, and there's also this other motive that has nothing to do with color. It's all about control. So mm-hmm. it's like, I'd rather have 10 mediocre artists mm-hmm. on my company. I have, I have a producer very high up. Um, he's white, but he's black on the inside. And <laughs> he told me about this meeting that they had over Grammy weekend back in the early mm-hmm. 2000s where executives were like, we're sick and tired of M's running the charts and we need to wow. whitewash this. Wow. And, and wow. literally they decided to put in white artists to mimic black artists mm-hmm. to, to water down black music because because there were so many black artists for some reason when they're, you know, and mm-hmm. en- enabled and supported in doing what they're here for, like a Michael or a Prince or a, mm-hmm. or a mm-hmm. Whitney, they end up taking over the charts and taking over the companies. And then there was another side that even affects the white artists or like every color. But it's, it's like, oh, um, well, we need to have 10 mediocre artists instead of one crazy powerful artist because if you have 10 mediocre who are each pulling a million dollars versus one super powerful who's pulling 10 million and Mm -hmm. the the one decides to walk away with the 10 million you have nothing but if you if you have 10 mediocre and one walks away then you still have nine million dollars left like Mm -hmm. so it's it's about control you know and 
and these companies, it's it's all about corporations. Like it's not even corporations run our whole planet. Like, and that's 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 the sad part is that I don't. I feel like everyone is completely trapped in that. Even with people supposedly developing awareness about stuff in the past year, I feel like it's it, we've completely missed the mark because it's so much bigger than everyone understand like you know that we're fed we're fed this information but the information that we're fed is coming from the people who are like the biggest perpetrators of of um pain and like suffering on humanity it's like i don't need to laugh but it's just like it's and sad. that's what no more is no more isn't even about it's even like the parts of it that are about like sexual healing it's like connecting in that in, in that way that's like because for me when you're with somebody like that you can transcend like reality like it just feels <laughs> totally. it takes you to another place but with no more it's like you know mad at the way the world is sick and tired of this feeling we're so damn happy when we're miserable and ain't that, that the truth y'all like on a different frequency Need somebody needing me. I need a. I need, I want some. I, I want some physical sexual healing, not that literal typical feeling. Mm-hmm. No I more. I hear you, girl. Preach. No more. <laughs> you know. And then if everybody knew the truth. Oh, oh. And I have a section that's like, can you disappear? Can we disappear for a minute? Get lost down deeper in it. Can't compromise on what I like. Won't wait no more, you know. And if everybody knew the truth, I'm somebody needing you. Could I, could we focus on the on, on this? Um, could I trust you with the information? I have two different lyrics. Like it was just like, don't leave me, don't don't leave me waiting. I'm on overdrive. You feel it right, you know. And and it goes back to that. I, I want that. I want that sexual healing, and not that literal typical mm-hmm. feeling. And I think it does come down to that too, because like in meaningful relationships, you know, we can transcend our own expectations. Like I, I, I feel like people do need one another. I don't feel like Absolutely. I don't. I don't feel like we should be in our own little bubbles. Like even though we are in a bubble, even though we, we are currently in a bubble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but and that's you know, it's like. But I saw the people in the streets, but the pain is coming from something even more than what what our narrative is. Because it's it's just deep, it's deep seated. When you have 40 million women and children currently being being trafficked around the world as slaves, and we are completely oblivious every single day, we know that we have a problem. <laughs> like there's a problem in this world. Right. And those are like the real numbers, like 40 million slaves in 2020. That's insane. And it's just like painful, you know? I mean, and I think our. It's, it's. I, I don't mean, mean to. I'm running my mouth so much. I'm so no, sorry. It's, no, hey, man. <laughs> These no, are real I'm, questions, though. It's hard to just like. No, the, no, it's, 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 you know, this is, this is, this is one of the many reasons why I love having you on your show because on, on my show, because to be on, on, on our show, because the, the at the bot at the end of the day, you always have, I mean, we go, we get into your art, but your art is derived by things that you're again, what Jeremy said earlier are passionate about. Like you have 
real emotion in everything that you write, in all your music that you do. So it's not something that, you know, that that you're rambling about. It's something that you're expressing and you're very passionate about it. And it's not to be like, oh, I'm passionate. Like, it's just honestly, if I didn't have music, I'd be dead. Like, I would literally be dead. I would literally not be here. And at the same time, it's the only place where I can really say what what I feel and what, what needs to be said. And, and it's like, I'm also an empath, so I pick up a lot mm-hmm. that, that goes, that it's, it, <laughs> This, this, everything is made up of vibrations, you know, mm-hmm. and we all know that now, like scientifically, our entire universe is based on sound and vibrations. And it's like, it's, it's here, whether we could like, <laughs> these, these frequencies are here, whether or not we tap into them and whether or not we choose to identify them, they're here, you know? And for, but for me, it's like my receptors are always open <laughs> and I choose to be that way because I don't want to turn off. I don't want to disconnect. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the reason why society is disconnecting or like so many people are disconnected is because it's so painful to, to be, to be fully present with the, with what what mm-hmm. what uh, levels of 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 uh, what levels of um, pain exist mm-hmm. in the world, and then it comes out in other ways at the same time. But I feel like it's our job, though, to transmute it all, you know. And it's our job to be connected and to transmute it and transcend it, especially as artists. Like I feel like that's our job. No, well, yeah. Well, spe- speaking of uh, you know the arts in general, I mean, are you still uh, are you still pursuing the acting? Because uh, I remember that uh, you were starting to uh, transition from music into acting, and I mean, obviously, you're here in Los Angeles. So, are you <laughs> out here? I mean, I know that you're you're not only promoting your new single, but I mean, are you also out here to kind of get into the get back into acting again? You know, I've always been an actress um, and I grew up on the stage and I've I've always been surrounded by Tony and Emmy winners being my mentors and training me. And I've had that blessing in my life where, again, with no money, just being surrounded by some of the best um, who just were able to like take me under their wing. So that was freaking amazing. Now um, I'm working on a project that I'm really excited about. Um, that is a reality show, uh, but it's it's based around um, Holly, E. Hollywood's acting coach to the stars, and I'm one of the main uh, main cast members or stars of that show. Um, and and I have been even on this trip. I've been with my director um, Bobby Chance, and uh, just getting she just destroys me. <laughs> she just. <laughs> yeah, Bobby, like, Bobby, Bobby is hardcore. I've met her before, so. Yeah, yeah, she just destroys me. And I, and there are some projects coming up um, in film that I'm a part of that, that I'm very excited about. But it's never like a transition, you know. For me, it's, I, it's always been simultaneous for me, acting, singing, you know, and, and you know, being an instrumentalist and all of that. But, but I had to kind of put it on freeze a little bit and develop all this music. And now that the music is, is 
enough for me to get get really started or like launch the first three albums that was when it was like okay I can get back into the grit because for me um I don't do anything at less than 200 Mm. (laughs) percent so if I'm not training 20 hours a week at least it's it's not enough for me and it's hard to do that while you're you know working with all these producers and and everything but I am really excited about some of these other projects for sure Nice, nice. I mean, I'm happy that uh, that you're getting back into that aspect of of the entertainment industry. And I mean, you know, I've seen that you've been uh, half and half active on social media. Have you been doing, uh, you know, because I haven't really seen this part of you, but I mean, have you been doing any concerts or anything like that, like on Facebook Live or Instagram Live or anything like that? Yeah, I have an event coming up actually with the Queen's Library. Mm in December and it's going to be a live stream. So I'm excited about that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Is it, is it going to be on social media or is it going to be on a specific platform? Yes. Yes. I'll be announcing it on, on my IG. Um, you know, it's really, really weird going from playing, you know, opening fashion week in New York and LA for 5,000 people <laughs> with, you know, you know, streaming to hundred, 170 countries. And now being in this space where it's, you know, Zoom and all of that. But I am really excited about this one. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to announce it on my platforms. And all of like the content that we've shot that we were getting ready to release last year is going to be coming out this year through our new partnership. So we've been just trying to time it all out. But yeah, I'm, I'm when when things are ready to move forward, I'll be posting on my IG. Nice. <laughs> Nice, nice. Well, I mean, and and, uh, and in wondering about that, I mean, you know, I always ask this question. I know. Uh, you know what it is? It's like I have so much um, coming that I don't want to dilute what I have to say or dilute my message. I know that everybody, like, just, like, is posting and it's, like, a hustle thing. But for me... It, everything I say is like with a purpose, you know, oh, of course, of course. And, and I bet, I mean, the, the question I'm going to ask Ness is the question I always ask all the time is how can people stalk you on social media? Oh, okay. So I'm at Instagram. I'm at listen to Amanda. And then um, there's my website, listen to Amanda.com. And it's Amanda Holly, Amanda, H O L L E Y. Um, and I'm excited. We're going to be having one of my records is about to get a push runaway. Nice, you might know a little nice. bit about that. Yeah, and just a little bit. <laughs> getting pushed out there with a new label partner, which we'll be announcing soon. And I'm releasing No More as my own commentary to just help transmute some of the vibes on the planet. And that that also is going to be announced on my IG. And we actually just shot the video this week, so... Nice, nice, yeah. nice. That's really that's that's awesome that uh, that uh, that you got you're getting a lot of stuff going, Amanda. And again, you know, wanted to uh, express how how uh, grateful I am for you to being on the Xander Effect once again. No, thank you guys so much. I'm sorry to like you know sometimes <laughs> I ramble. No, no, not at all, not at all. That's 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 what this that's what the 
show's all about letting yourself <laughs> let let your freak flag fly, you know. Yes, I mean? like yes. Oh yeah. Well, that's me. Okay. You guys so have such real like deep questions. Well, that's well. I mean, you know, now I have uh, two co-hosts that are keeping me in line right now, so they they're. And I really appreciate it. I really appreciate wanting to talk about, you know stuff that's under the surface that's so awesome you guys are amazing <laughs> no no doubt no doubt and again amanda thank you so much for being thank on the xander effect you know hopefully like we de- hopefully uh when things get better we'll be able to like have a sit down with you and oh, yeah. uh have Heck you back yeah. i mean I, I know you're gonna be back on the show again you, you gotta yeah. you gotta come back to the xander effect well, again we're gonna have again like we have the entire album like it's all re- <laughs> i have about three albums ready to go with like hundreds of songs in the can. Cannot uh, wait to hear this it. This first album oh, we were going to be releasing last year, literally around the time that COVID hit, and it just didn't make sense. You know, it, 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 as hard as it was, I mean, I put my blood, sweat, and tears into these pieces, and it's like, oh man, I have to wait now. But right. what is really cool is like some of the stuff I have is stuff that you could tell is like only from before COVID, like footage in Times Square that's just like when Times Square was Times Square, you know, and just kind of, and it's kind of interesting too, how much some of the songs that I wrote at that time end up being so relevant today, even more than when I wrote them, because they were relevant to me or like, you know, for basic messages, but now they're really powerful because so many people are aware of things that they weren't aware of before. So I am really excited. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely excited with sharing with you guys and I really appreciate coming on today. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, we appreciate having you. And again, we, you know, well, thank you very much. And uh, we hope to have you on the Xander Effect very, uh, again very soon. Thank you. And I'm actually looking forward to listening to your show with the three of you there. (laughs) Awesome. Well, uh, coming up next in sports, Dana White is going to go ahead and pretty much saying that Khabib Nurmagomedov might not be retired just as yet. We'll talk a little bit about that. But first, here is Demi Lovato's I Love Me right here on The Xander Effect. Flipping through all of these magazines Telling me who I'm supposed to be Way too good at camouflage Can't see what I am, I just see what I'm not I'm guilty about everything that I eat Feeling myself as a felony Jedi level sabotage Voices in my head make up my entourage Cause I'm a black belt when I'm beating up on myself But I'm an expert at giving love to somebody else Should be paying rent I'm way 
way too good at listening. listening. All these comments fucking up my energy. Enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder when I love me is enough. After all the times I went and fucked it up. I wonder when I love me is enough. to make a profit don't see my ones don't see my guns get it now tell your friends papa hit it then split it in two as i flow with the junior mafia i don't know what the hell stopping ya i'm clocking ya versace shade watching ya once the grin i'm in game begins first i talk about how i dress is this and diamond necklaces stretch lexus is the sex just immaculate from the back i get deeper and deeper help you reach the climax that your man can't make Call him, tell him you'll be home real late and sing the break, huh? I got that good love, girl, you didn't know? I got that good love, girl, you didn't know? 
I handle my biz, there I is Major pain like Damon Wayne's Low down dirty even like his brother Keenan scheming Don't leave your girl around me, true player for real Ask Puff Dad D Ringing bells with bags from Chanel Baby Benz traded in your Hyundai XL Fully equipped CD changer with the cell She beat me, beat me at 12 Where you at? Flipping job, playing car notes While I'm swimming in your women like the breaststroke Right stroke, left stroke, what's the best stroke? Death stroke, tongue all down the throat uh-huh. Nothing left to do but send her home to you I'm through, can you sing the song for me, boo? I got that good girl, you didn't know Can cruise the world with pearls, gator boots for girls. Uh-huh. The envy of all women, crushed linen, Cartier wristwear with diamonds in it. The finest women I love with the passion. Your man's a whip, I get that ass a good thrashing. High fashion, flying in the all states, sexing me while your man masturbates. Isn't this great? Your flight leaves at eight, a flight lands at nine. My game just rewinds. Lyrically, I'm supposed to represent. I'm not only a client, I'm the player president. This is AB. Hey guys, this is Sean Kanan. What's going on? It's Amanda Holly. Hey, Jeremy Miller from Growing Pains here. This is Maxim Model Ready Sawyer. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you're listening to the Xander Effect. <laughs>
You know I had it so loud Cause when you make it bounce I'm about to get 20 ounce of that Coca-Cola Shake it up Then I watch it bubble like soda You know it's over when I introduce you to the Cobra Legs on my shoulders Body smoking like sour D's So baby girl, my guess is you a ill roller I bet it's so good This shit'll put me in a coma I'm a killer You about to catch it like this shit Corona Baby, you a stoner I got a lot of by your friends And when you done, shorty, hang the phone up Damn, damn shorty, take a pic Rich nigga shit Hit a lick, spin it quick Give me back shots like I'm ignorant Slide up inside ya You won't believe me that I saw you like Riley Call me a ill lodger featuring Elijah and Young Kriga Roll Up right here on the Xander Effect. Again, uh, major thanks to Amanda Holly for being on the Xander Effect once again. I mean, love having her on the show every time she shows up. And I, I like the fact that uh, I was able to uh, interview her with uh, with both of you, with uh, with you, uh, with Jeremy and with uh, Lonnie. Uh, you got to experience uh, who Amanda is because uh, she's an incredible artist and uh, with an incredible voice. And I mean, I'm glad I got to share this opportunity to, to uh, interview her with you guys. Hey, thanks for having us. I really, um, all the artists you're turning us on to. Thank you, Xander. Oh, it's my pleasure. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, they, these artists speak for themselves. Their mm-hmm. art speaks for them for itself. Uh, they're very talented. They're, uh, when I say they're up and coming rising stars, I'm not bullshitting. They're, they're up and coming rising stars. These, these uh, new artists are incredible with an incredible talent. I mean, you know, something that Jeremy doesn't know anything about, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, know, it's, you would, you would know. <laughs> Game set match. Okay, <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> you know that's always love. It's always love, Jeremy. It's always love. But uh, you know, moving forward uh, onto uh, in sports, Dana White is betting that Khabib will fight again. He was. Uh, in a press conference, he basically said, quote, if I had to make a bet and I'm a betting man, I would bet he does return. So, yeah, I think he will. And this is something that uh, that was discussed, uh, you know, probably about maybe a couple days after uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov uh, made the announcement after he defeated Justin Gaethje at UFC 254, saying that he was retiring uh, because that's a promise that he made to his mother uh, shortly after his father had passed away from COVID. And uh, but but it seems that uh, a few days later there was there was conversation basically saying that he got into the sport because of his father to. 
begin with. And he was even he he even expressed Khabib himself expressed that he was very emotional that night, uh, and he may have been a little too too. Uh, too overzealous in announcing his retirement uh, and that, you know, he had made also another promise to his father that he would actually, you know, be champion. And and he was and he is he was a champion, but he also made a promise to his father that he would continue to 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 be in the sport uh, for him. In his honor, he was going to continue to fight in his honor. So right. there's there's a conflict that uh, Khabib himself is uh, trying to resolve here. Uh, but uh, so far, Dana, I mean, maybe Dana is privy to some information that the rest of the public isn't. Uh, and that's the fact of the matter that he already has four possible contenders in mind. Uh, obviously, there's two upcoming fights, Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. Uh, that should be a pretty good fight. Uh, and of course, there's uh, Michael Chandler versus Tony Ferguson. Those are those are, those are are four uh, contenders that, uh, that might be facing Khabib. Now, obviously, you know, I want to see the Khabib Connor fight again because you know, I just, I just want to see that one. I just feel that there was still unfinished business there, in my opinion. But uh, the other three contenders, I mean, Tony Ferguson going up against uh, uh, Khabib should, would be another really good fight as well. Uh, there was, there was uh, talk that uh, Khabib was interested in fighting George uh, Saint Pierre, but that's obviously not going to happen because George is definitely retired. And there was also a little bit of a of a, of a rumor going around that uh, that there might have been uh, there might have been uh, a match between jo- John Jones and Khabib, but uh, Dana just squashed that rumor and said that's just pretty much it's not going to happen, you know. And he said, "quote John Jones, I don't know what John Jones is doing." In other words, saying that that's that's uh, you know that's that's definitely not going to happen right now as it stands. So so far, those are the four contenders to possibly go up against Khabib, and I don't know. That that should be that should be a really interesting that should be a really interesting one. What do you think, Jeremy? I think it'd be interesting, but let's remember here, Dana White is not a saint. Dana White is not looking out for his fighter. What? Dana White is looking out for his pocketbook. Mm-hmm. So he may not have any information and is just doing all of this to constantly keep the pressure up on Khabib to continue fighting and making more money for him. So, you know, I mean Dana White has taken the Vince McMahon playbook and elevated it, and it's not exactly a good thing. Um, you know, so I, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't trust most of what comes out of Dana White's mouth when he's talking about his fighters. You know, when he's hot and he's talking honestly because he's pissed off that something happened, then I believe him. <laughs> but when he's had time to think about it, I don't believe a damn word that comes out of his mouth. So Dana I, White not saying I, anything truthful. How dare you? When, say I, when I hear things. when I hear him talking about his fighters and talking about this with Khabib and whatever, he may very well have some information. He obviously has more access to him than any of us do. But you know, he also may be playing the long game and just trying to keep up the pressure on him so he can fill his pocketbook a little more. That would not shock me in the slightest either true true yeah i was gonna i was gonna say is this just a part of the hype you know what i mean just like playing on that to keep it talking all for money okay he retired okay he's gonna return you know true it could be it could be i mean i mean it just 
I don't know. I don't know because I mean, Khabib did say it himself too. He did say that that uh, he might have been too emotional. I mean, that was that those words did come out of his own mouth that he was uh, too like a little bit emotional that night uh, in in saying what he said. So he might have jumped the gun a bit. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's there hasn't been any real real uh, response yet from Khabib whether or not he's he's returning or not. I mean, I was kind of actually. I was a little bit surprised that Connor was returning after he said he was retiring. But uh, Jeremy, you've said this before that fighters they don't really they don't really retire. They they really don't. They always have that that itch to come back. Remember you but you actually you mentioned that you, yourself. You never douse that fire in a fighter. You just don't. I mean, even that's why we're seeing, you know, Tyson and all these guys at 50 plus years old talking about wanting to get back in the ring. That's why you see John Jones talking about, you know, oh, I want to fight Khabib and I want, he may want to fight him. He'd be an idiot. I mean, Khabib would absolutely kill him and I'd bet my house, yeah. my life, my firstborn yeah. and pretty much anything else <laughs> on it. Yep. I mean, it's Khabib would murder him. It would be it would be the worst decision John Jones John Jones ever made getting in the ring with him. Yeah. But he's a fighter. You're never going to be able to tell a fighter they can't fight. You're never going to be able to tell a fighter they don't have it anymore. They always have that competitive fighting spirit in them. It does not go away. Well, I mean, I guess uh, at this point, we just have to wait for the first two fights to uh, to culminate and uh, find out what the results are going to be from both of those. I mean, Dustin Poirier against uh, Conor McGregor, that should be a good one uh, for Conor coming back. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. I mean, my money, I mean, unfortunately, my money is going to be on Connor on that one. Uh, but you, you never know. Dustin Poirier, he's not, he's no one to, he's no one to look down on. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there. I mean, and then you got, and then you got, uh, just, uh, you got Michael Chandler versus Tony Ferguson. That's another one, one, another one. And my money's on Tony on that one. So that, that could be, uh, those, those four could be really good. Uh, who knows? I mean, because after those two fights, they might have to go up against one another. It could be a Connor versus Tony type of situation to meet Khabib, uh, which would be a really good fight to see, actually. Uh, so I don't know. We just have to go ahead and uh, wait to find out the, the results of those fights to see exactly who's going to face the champ. You know, right. in, in the near future. Well, we'll, well what we do know is that if it does happen, he will be fighting with a lot of emotion, right? Yes and no, because, I mean, he fought with all the emotion when he fought Justin Gagey and okay. he decided to retire. So him coming back, this is more of his comeback and more you know, of like a... emotion with that? Well, I mean, against Conor, probably. Because yeah. <laughs> he, he can't stay. He hates Conor McGregor. So there will definitely be a Conor McGregor there. is annoying. Of all these guys, he's the one that I know the most <laughs> because he's mouth. Just saying. <laughs> I mean, you, 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 you and everybody else knows him because of his mouth. <laughs> yeah. He's like the UFC version of uh, Floyd Mayweather. 
Yeah. Uh, that's the reason why they both, whenever they were promoting their fight and they both were talking shit to one another, was the uh-huh. most entertaining thing that you could ever watch on television. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> because it was like you had both of them were, were mouths. They're both mouths. Yeah. That's all. That's pretty much like the majority of what they are is all mouth. And they were both going off with one another. So, yeah, it's, it was very it was funny to watch. That was definitely funny to watch. But, uh, you know, as far as this is concerned, we're just going to have to wait to see the results of all those fights and find out. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens in the near future. In other sports news, uh, Jeremy, you had some reports about Anthony Davis. <laughs> So we have a little bit of updated news on the Anthony Davis contract situation. And as I was talking about last time, it looks even more certain that Anthony's not going anywhere. This opt out of his contract was not, a, was not a move to leave the Lakers. It was a move to get his contract situated the best he could for him. And apparently what we're looking at now is there's about four deals on the table, all of different lengths, different different upfront bonuses, different total, you know, dollar amounts, all that kind of stuff. And all he's really doing is taking time to evaluate what's going to happen. Um, sure, he'll be talking to LeBron and, you know, because some of the contracts, one of the contracts is only two years. There's another one for three. I think there's another one for five. So it's just a matter of how long he wants to commit for. Are the Lakers going to make him the centerpiece? I'm sure these are all questions he's going to want answered, but it does not look like he's going anywhere. It really does look like it's just a matter of evaluating his different options for staying with the Lakers. Nice, nice. So we might have a chance at another championship. Mm-hmm. It looks very, very probable if the two, if uh, if most of the team comes back, and especially if AD comes back, that duo is is going to be dominant for another couple of years. Yeah, I like that combination. I mean, I'm 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 actually, I'm, you know, that's that's a good that's good news right there. That's definitely good news for Laker fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a Laker fan, so I mean, that's definitely good news for us. Uh, you know, especially since the season's going to be starting very soon. I still can't believe the season is starting again. We just finished it. I mean, they didn't they didn't even get a chance to go ahead and like sleep <laughs> before the new that season. That was a that was a highly contentious uh, decision, and from what I've seen, the players were not very happy about it and I guarantee it's going to come up in the next collective bargaining because players are not thrilled that they are having to start the season again without adequate rest and recovery. Right. Time. I was going to um, say that. Doesn't your body need to heal? Oh, it absolutely yeah. does. I mean, that's yeah. that's something, I mean, given this isn't football, but it still takes a toll on your body after so much abuse. And, you know, to come back just a couple months later, that not only does it throw the training schedules that these guys have built up over decades, but yeah, it screws with their bodies and again presents considerable more injury risk to them. And their so personal course, lives too. Yeah, like so of course they're... the players have no interest in it beginning right away. But of course, the people with the money, all the silver-haired white dudes, um, don't care about their health and want their pocketbooks to stay full. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, how that's it's going to happen. 
that's going to be tough for them, for their families. Because, I mean, you know, they want to go ahead and spend time with their families. They're, like, they spend, I mean, they were in a bubble <laughs> the entire time. They were gone and separated from their families for so many, for so many, like, weeks that, you know, it, yeah, the competitive uh, nature is there. But at the same time, they're also, a lot of them are family men. Uh, and they want to spend time with their, with their, with their wives, their kids. Yeah. You know, and this this takes a lot of their time away from them. So that's going to be man. That's that's tough. That's really tough. And I mean, I'm also wondering again. You 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 touched on the injury factor. Same thing that happened currently. Yeah, it's different from the NFL because obviously the NFL is a more uh, is a is a way more contact type of sport. But still, I mean, you have these really tall dudes like jumping all the time, landing on their legs, their knees, their feet. They're consistently running. I I mean, they could slip, fall, anything. I, I think that that's going to be it's going to be really tough, a really tough season for them, uh, injury wise, because again, they didn't have enough time to rest. A lot of these, uh, a lot of these players, like LeBron, they're they're older and their you know their bones start to mess with them a little bit here and there after many injuries. So it's going to be a tough one. I think it's definitely going to be a tough one on them. Uh, it sucks, but I mean, again. Good news on Anthony Davis. It just sucks that the season's coming too damn quick for them. So, right. you know, uh, hopefully they'll 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 be able to make it through. In other sports news, Tampa Bay Rays ex top prospect gets life in prison. Uh, Brandon Martin was uh, was actually a first round draft pick. Uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays back in 2011. And uh, he unfortunately made some really bad choices. He went ahead and brutally murdered three people, including his own father. Uh, this is a very tragic end to a, to a very uh, talented uh, player. Uh, the, he's uh, 27 and he just, uh, he was convicted today in Riverside County. Uh, I'm sorry, he was convicted yesterday uh, in Riverside County uh, for, he was actually going to be getting the death penalty, but they decided to give him life in prison instead. The saddest thing to hear. I mean, you have a gentleman that's that's 27 years old. He's got his whole life ahead of him in a sport, getting paid lots of money, and you do this. You decide to commit a triple homicide. Wow. I just don't understand it. I just I don't get it. I really don't understand it. Um, you know, he he killed his he brutally killed his 64 year old father, his 58 year old uncle and his and and uh, 62 year old man. Uh, the family had hired to install an alarm to protect them from Martin to begin with. I mean, he used a black baseball bat uh, to kill all three men. Oh my goodness! This is this is a very tragic and very br- brutal murder. Let it. me walk this back for a second because something you said uh, I want to correct it a little bit. I get what you're saying about you know him having everything in front of him and everything else, but when people have this type of mental issue obviously he does i mean normal people don't murder three people cold-bloodedly with a bat that has i mean that you're 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 framing it in the question of you know rationality 
This is this is not like you know. Oh, this this first round draft pick just blew his his draft position because he was out partying and smoking weed with his friends. You know, this is this is not. He made a bad decision. This is a very disturbed human being yeah, who, who so. reacted to something in a violent manner. This was not a choice. This was a disturbed human being who acted out. This was not a young kid who just made a mistake like a lot of these dumbasses who, you know, blow their contracts by getting into a DUI accident. Whatever dumb thing they did that was a choice. True. This is very different. Mm-hmm. True. True. You're right about that. This is something this is something that was done by somebody that obviously had more than just mental issues, I guess you might say. Uh there has to have been something deeper in here. I mean, we're, we're I mean, to be uh, to, you know, to be fair, we're only getting part of the story. Uh we don't know exactly what uh what exactly. I mean, at least as far as I can tell, I mean, we don't know exactly what uh where his mental state was at when he committed these murders because i mean he targeted two very specific people which is his father and his uncle you know and i mean granted there's never any reason to murder anybody uh but uh, i don't know about that <laughs> you're a funny guy um but uh, us normal people um there, <laughs> there really isn't uh there really isn't uh any 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 excuse really to murder anybody uh but in this particular case we don't know exactly what prompted this or why he did what he did uh and but i mean one thing is for sure his life is over it's done uh he's you know gonna serve life in prison and that's that's that um you know he's lucky he didn't get the death penalty but uh, you know, I mean, living the rest of your life in prison might as well be death. Yeesh. I mean, it's it's tough. So, tragic day for for that young gentleman, and uh, you know, uh, you know, justice is served. So, you know, it is what it is. Coming up next in video game news, GTA Five Online gets a brand new DLC, and it involves an island. We'll talk a little bit about that. But first, here is Twism White Piece. Overdose, right here on the Xander Effect. No other. I'm your rock. 
days yes. Trading favors, that's our way yes. Haters hate the way we play But the rules we break and I love this game Trade, trade, trade it for nothing You're in my soul, I need your love You love this fire inside, you know it means something In this life, you'll need for nothing Gosh. You make me wanna 
Hey, how's it going? This is Polo Molina. Hey, yo, what's up? This is the Xander Effect, and I am the DJ KID to Kick the Creek. Welcome to the place to be.
big lips and handlebars. Put it on Tim like a porno star. Run back the tape in the VCR. I'm coming, baby, like the big black Kahuna. I wish you would have me just a little sooner. Now rich like silver spooner. Make all the Luciano and girls with condo Chanel with Gatano. Girl, my persona, I share like Sonny Bono. Locking white keys, lay girls on my piano. Me, Missy, and Timbo, rap at any tempo. Huckleberry fan, Magoo, the South Pimple. Put up in my lingo, B9, girl, I'm bingo. Help, I see a beetle, cool out, that's only Ringo. Missy sang a jango as I commence the tango. Genuine riding on a pony, put pony in the middle. Check the riddle, got your girl pants hot a little. Thinking that she died when you only just a nigga. Tickle, tickle, cause your man, pickle green and ridiculous. Maggie too old from down south and pickle. Black house shoes, my cane go to match. Pimp rap game, take all your scratch. Girl, I'm the P, see me on TV. DB, hook me up with your girl CC. Female, look at here, I'm chip, you there. Let me get one kiss, just don't go tell. You so absurd, I thought you heard. If you don't know, the bird is the word. It's the bird, bird, bird. The bird is the word. The bird, bird, bird. When you need a fix Big girls don't cry We take all of it Doggy style like George In the parliament Really now See my loving Got you bed struckin' Head is stuckin' The pillowcase suckin' Shanta still can't it Just me and you Cause I'ma rock it all night You can go fast or slow But I'ma tell you When you get it right Look at you girl Talkin' trash Now I come around And spank that ass Think you been over
Travis Timbaland and Magoo's "Love to Love Ya" right here on the Xander Effect. I love that song, by the way. I love to love you. That's that's one of my favorite songs from Timbaland. I, I, I gotta say, it's it's an oldie but a goodie. So you know, gotta love that one. Uh, in video game news, GTA Five Online is getting a new DLC, and this one is a big one. Uh, it's actually. It's actually called uh, the Kaya uh, the Kaya Perico heist, and uh, it, it's uh, coming out December fifteenth, and it involves basically going to an island off of. Uh, well, I mean, we we already know that uh, Los Santos is a huge map. It, it you know it's it's a really big map on GTA Five, uh, but uh, now they added an island to the map, and I'm assuming because there hasn't been too much details on how to get to this uh, to this island. But judging from the uh, the trailer that uh, that is actually on Rockstar social media, it seems that you can take the airport, uh, the LSIA uh, Los Santos international airport to the island and wow. there there you're going to be able to actually uh plan a heist uh and I, th- th- again there's not too many details as to what the heist is actually uh involved with uh, but i believe it has to do with uh, actually it has to do with art gold and drug money that you can actually steal and uh, but there's a lot of things that you can actually buy. Finally, GTA is also including new weapons, which is something that a lot of players have been asking for for a while now. The last update in weapons that they did was like lasers and uh, uh, alien type of weapons, which are pretty cool. Actually, I'm not going to lie. Uh, uh, so that's going to be there. There's new vehicles that are going to be uh, included in this new update. And the really cool part is oh, also social spaces uh, and in-game DJs uh, and radio stations are, are also going to be uh, added to this new DLC. But the one thing that actually stood out now in the in one of the larger updates, we have we had the ability to buy a yacht which I own actually in GTA five. And that's actually a really fun thing to have in this new update. (laughs) You are able to buy a submarine. Now this submarine, you're that this is where you're going to plan out your heist. So, uh, many people that have, uh, that have uh, GTA currency save it because there's still no telling as to how much this submarine is going to cost. But if it's anything like the, uh, the yacht, which, by the way, the yacht costs ten million GTA dollars. That's a lot of money on GTA. You might want to save your money for the for the submarine because we don't know how much that's going to cost. Uh, it could be ten million. It could be more. It could be less. Who knows? I mean, Rockstar always throws uh, surprises in left and right. So uh, yeah, just make sure that uh, you have enough uh, GTA currency in order to buy this. So that that's that's the story on that. One. Lonnie, what do you, what do you, you know? You- a, hey, these days in quarantine, anything involving an island, I'm all for it. I've just watched some pictures the other day of my friend in Hawaii. The first place I want to go after this quarantine, I want to go somewhere tropical. So, <laughs> well, in this in this particular case, it's not exactly a tropical island per se. It's more of a killer be killed island. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's not your it's not your run of the mill island as far as gta well nothing in gta 5 is run of the bill i mean i i know that you haven't played this game but let me tell you it's a mimic of los angeles 
Like Los Santos is mimicking Los Angeles. I mean, you have your you have your thirty mile zone. Uh, You have uh, which is funny because the way they have it constructed is that thirty mile zone is merged and infused with Sunset Boulevard. Oh wow! The way they have it, the, they have the map structured. So that's actually really interesting. Um, you know, uh, LSIA Los Santos International Airport is obviously LAX, right? Uh, and then you have uh, <laughs> uh, you have uh, you have uh, Vinewood is Hollywood. You have Vespucci Beach is Venice Beach. I mean, oh, cool. it, it's really it's really it's really crazy. I mean, it's a it's a really crazy map. I'm telling you, Lonnie, yeah, come to the dark. Dark side with us. You'll I keep, you keep telling me I will. I will. You know you'll One enjoy it. Days. I mean you'll enjoy it. <laughs> Jer- Jeremy. I mean, what are your thoughts on on the new map that they're going to be including in GTA? Have you played? Have you been able to play GTA at all? I've I've played GTA Five uh, many times, and uh, when I first heard about the island, I mean, I have to admit, uh, the first thing I thought is they're introducing a Jeffrey Epstein character. <laughs> I mean, this is GTA we're talking about. So <laughs> I was like, "Oh, an island! There's gonna be. We're gonna have a Epstein and a plane and a, yeah." I, I just knowing GTA, I figured that's the way they'd be going. You wouldn't put it, it past I, them. I you wouldn't put it past them at all. I will pass anything involving them. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! You went there. I can't believe you went there. But that's well, a good. That's a good. Way of it's it. GTA. I mean, I'm sorry. They. It's not like they have any boundaries. That's fair. <laughs> you know what you're right about that. We were right. talking about a game where you can rape a hooker. Okay, I'm sorry. This is this that's is not true. a nice game. That's true. Actually, you don't. Actually, they stopped doing that. They took that out. I think. They did finally. Yeah, yeah, they took that out. They took that out. So I guess they're they're somewhat trying to like keep some morals in there somewhere. <laughs> Dear God, I hope so. But that's, I mean, <laughs> seriously, that's the only reason that came to my mind because it's I mean, GTA. I mean, you, you you expect them to go for the most offensive, outlandish thing they can. I so. mean, you could still you could still shoot the hooker after she after you used her. That's the only thing that's still there. Oh, that game is just so disturbing. That's why I. Ne- that's seriously why I never got into the game. That really is the reason. I, I just, played it a few times, and it's just, it's just not me. It's just, it's. I, I love it. I mean, I'm sorry. I love that game. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're disturbed. I'm very you know disturbed. This. Yes, and there have been times that I've actually used the hooker a couple times, and that's just like, you know, after I you use, use the, she, the hooker. Yeah, after 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 I use the hooker, she gets out of the car, and as soon as she gets out, I pull out the gun and I shoot her in the head, and I grab the money that I gave. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, I'll take that money back. Thank you. <laughs> I just like freaking take off. Lonnie, we need to, you know, hurry up our plan to replace him and move him out here. I know, right? <laughs> it's dude, and no, the 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 really the really screwed up part is that in order uh back uh in the Xbox 360 days, there was um there was a glitch where you could duplicate your car. But in order to do that, you had to have a hooker in the passenger seat, block or trap her in the car, and then shoot her while she's in the car in order for the glitch to work. Wow. We were consistent. Like it was a constant thing where you would grab a hooker at a certain time, a certain, uh, (laughs) certain hour of GTA time. 
and she would get in the car you would drive her make sure she doesn't like you have to drive calmly because if you drive too crazy she'll freak out and jump out the car so you have to be calm with her you know drive nice and easy find uh find uh an alley of some kind and block her in and you get out of the car and then you shoot her and would disappear from the passenger seat and so would the car the both would disappear and i forgot this is way more complex after where it gets a little complex after that but that was the the gist of it it was the it was the hooker glitch that we all called it and <laughs> but yeah we 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 we're all disturbed what can i say <laughs> It's a fun game. Now I want to play these games. Every time I talk <laughs> See, to you, it's like a new game. I'm like behind. I'm probably like 15 games behind. See, Lonnie oh, yeah. wants to. Be, Lonnie wants to be disturbed now. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I want to shoot hookers. <laughs> It's not fun. It, it actually is. It actually is a lot of fun. I mean, you uh, you travel around. Very the, wild and crazy game. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the only screwed up part is going up against other players that love to mess with you. You have a okay. lot of, so there's a lot of okay. trolls, a lot okay. of trolls in that game. And uh, there are times where you're trying to like deliver products, you know, from your, from your businesses. And you will have players that will try to shoot your product or destroy it. Uh, just to mess with you. I mean, right. I, I wouldn't know anything about that because I've never done anything like that myself. Yes, but, um, not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what are you talking about? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a straight A clean You're an player. Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Only you and your fiance know that. <laughs> hey, you gave me, you gave me the the keychain that branded me that for the rest of my Got life. That right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lonnie, uh, Jeremy and his fiance found me, you know, a keychain that reads, "You're my favorite asshole." On it. Oh, I love it. I, I, That's perfect between the two of you. Oh, it couldn't it couldn't have been more true. It was hilarious. <laughs> I saw it. I was like, I love this. I really, really love this. <laughs> it's all my keychain. I freaking look at it. Every time I look at it, I was like, oh. <laughs> That's so sweet. I love them. Anyways, that's the news. In case you haven't heard it, thank you so much for uh, joining us here on the Xander Effect. You know, hopefully you all have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I'd like to thank uh, my two co-hosts, Mr. Jeremy Miller. Thank you so much for being here with me again. Uh, two days without having to talk to you. How nice. Right? <laughs> right. I, I mean, I wish I could have that vacation with me as well, but I mean, <laughs> so, <laughs> and of course, our wonderful co-hostess, Miss Lonnie Rivera. Thank you so much for being here as well. Great being here. Happy weekend. Have a great weekend, you guys. Likewise, likewise. Hopefully you guys will have a wonderful weekend. And again, I'd like to uh, thank our guest, Miss Amanda Holly, for uh, coming by again to the Xander Effect. Always a pleasure having her, and hopefully we'll have her here again very soon. And again, to everybody out there, we're still in a pandemic. Unfortunately, uh, cases are on the rise. So please, please make sure you uh, you wear your face masks when you're out in public. Make sure you wear your gloves if you got them, goggles if you got them. Got them. Uh, make sure you uh, look out look after yourselves not just for yourselves but for your loved ones as well make sure you practice basic hygiene wash your hands don't touch your face make sure you just watch one another because we're all in this together and remember music always always heals all we'll see you next time
is powered by 5050 Global Music Inc., Sony Music The Orchard, and Bertelsmann, in association with Art19 Media.